0: Can you tell me what your relationship with Donald Sterling is? I'm Mr. Sterling's right hand arm man.
1: I'm Mr. Sterling everything. I'm his confidant, his best friend, his silly rabbit. His what? His silly rabbit. His silly rabbit? Yes. Is that what he calls
2: you? No. It's Morbin time. Welcome back, friends, ladies, gentlemen, and envies to Water We Dash Show, a very bad anime first podcast, but we think that can be good sometimes. Uh, thank you very much for coming. Huh. <laughs> uh, I am the Subtle Doctor. I'm here, as always, and uh, I'm joined by my, uh, my co-host, who is uh, distantly related To uh, Edwin Van Helsing, by blood, (laughs) not by marriage, by blood. And uh, yeah, he's uh, the guiltiest gear. He's the chromiest dome. It's Shadon. Welcome, Shadon.
1: I'm very glad I finally watched a film that was very clearly inspired by the uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, what is a man speech? (laughs) And I could really just end my discussion (laughs) of this film there, I
2: suppose. Oh, man. Uh, it's inspired by that, and also the core themes of Persona Four.
1: Hmm, I don't remember there being many
2: vampires in Persona Four. Well, mm. think about—I I don't mean in a literal sense. I'm think—I'm thinking thematically <laughs> here, but we'll—we'll we'll get to that. Uh, also, we'll get to that. eventually. Also, always, it's
1: always—it's always the midnight hour in Sweden.
2: It's true. It's true. Also, I—I I noticed here in the studio that. Uh, why Why are you standing outside the, the door? You haven't crossed the threshold.
1: Well, that's because someone who shall go unnamed has refused to grant me entry, even though I have requested extremely politely for them to do it.
2: I have to invite you and... in now? What? Can I just make like a little finger gesture and wag you over?
1: Well on a separate note this is maybe think if you ever have a discord call the vampire and answer it does that mean they can just enter your house <laughs> how do vampires work in the digital age that's a that's a question that's
2: a really that's an interesting thought um sp- speaking of anime do you have to, do, do, do you have to turn vampires. on your video camera <laughs> once the web browser gives you permission uh you you know is that the same thing as allowing you, the vampire, to, to access the camera and be let in to the lens?
1: Cookies really are just vampires. You have to allow them in first before they start draining everything from
2: you. It's true. It's true. Um, Everybody, in case you didn't know, in case you received this MP3 file, somehow, other than clicking on it on a website or a pod feeder and seeing the title, uh, we're going to be discussing uh let the right one in the 2008 uh swedish horror romance film based on a novel by the same name and uh for those of you who did not get the memo um and were expecting a podcast about Tokyo Drifters uh the 60s yakuza movie uh we're very sorry uh blame Shadon. By the way, you can come in, Shadon. I you, I I I, I...
1: I, I, bre- I am I am not taking the blame for this one because I'm just gonna get it out there right now. I'm really fucking tired of how difficult it is to legally obtain films that I want to watch. We're in the digital era here, and I Fuck me, it's so stupid sometimes like I'm gonna look this up on Amazon or Netflix or any other place, and it's like either some esoteric like fucking random channel that costs ten ninety nine a month <laughs> uh, and has maybe four films on it, or this is not available in your country. thanks, Brexit. I'm blaming Brexit for this by the way, even though it probably has nothing to do with the licensing rights of certain films, but fuck it. it feels like that ever since that happened, I can't get hold of anything anymore, so fuck you, Brexit. And fuck anyone I voted for it. And like Tokyo Drifters, I tried to find it cheaply and I couldn't. And I was just like, oh my Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna confess something right now at the top. I almost didn't end up watching this film either, because that simile was equally unfucking available in the United Kingdom.
2: I can't believe it wasn't on Amazon in the UK.
1: No, it, there was an entry for it. I uh-huh. went to it and it said, This is not available <laughs> in your country. It's <laughs> like God. thank thank thanks Jeff Bezos. Thanks Mm -hmm. a fucking bunch. Again, for nothing.
2: Yeah,
1: that's like the entire
2: corpus of John Woo. Anytime I see those films on Amazon, you click them. It's like, oh, not currently available in your country. But look at this picture. Doesn't it make you want to watch the movie? Fucking too bad, because it's also out of print physically. Get fucked. And so
1: I'm just going to say, like, if I've got no legal recourse to pay for a fucking film, then I will pirate no one's losing money. I can't literally give it to anyone. So, yeah, fucking Christ alive. I, uh, And even then, there was almost a, like an 11-hour showstopper on me watching this. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Wow. And it, the version I did watch was a bit butchered for reasons we're going to get into. Oh, him. no. Not that, it, not that it ultimately detracted from my enjoyment of the film, but this is something you and I discussed just before starting here. And I'll sum up now. Actually, I never thought I would watch a live-action film made in the twenty—sorry, uh, in the two thousands. Yes. A live-action film made in the West, for that matter, that felt like it had a dub from a Japanese OVA from the nineties. Oh goodness me! Just, just think of that. Oh, think of no. that in your mind. Jack oh, no. was my best friend nothing will ever be the same again wait a minute like, wait a minute jack jock his name's jock in swedish i've looked this up because all the names are oh, right, angle right. Size. okay uh
2: yeah 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 uh right i know who you're talking about now like, there's no yeah there's no jack but then i was worried that you had watched the american version no of this film. no uh, no no matt no. reeves let me in
1: um yeah but yeah if you're wanting to watch this particular film make sure to let the right one in yeah. Ha ha ha! let the right by, one by into watching the...
2: your dvd player yeah.
1: if you can if you can get a fucking hold of it uh, it's as transient as the fucking lead character in this film <laughs> i swear it used
2: anyway. to be on hulu you can still you can buy the film digitally on amazon.com american Amazon amazon.co.uk for five american dollars uh get a vpn Guiltiest
1: gear. I probably should do to be fair, <laughs> really. Oh Christ. Um yeah, so the, the, the dub was the dub felt like it was voiced by one of those like text recitation applications, like the one that you know you've had installed on old IMAX. Yes. It was it was it was not great. Um <laughs> but I work with what I have available, unfortunately. Um yeah. but I did find it very chucklesome at times how <laughs> completely flat some of the delivery oh, was
2: oh man jack well, was
1: my world and nothing's ever the same again oh that's such a why. shame
2: it really well, I still, cuts into the atmosphere the only, of the movie because i so the I thought, the amazon version right. the amazon version is uh is in its original language subtitled in english thankfully
1: yeah how appropriate! Oh in order to scale of a Swedish film, I really had to assemble it myself almost. <laughs> oh my system So,
2: so I don't sound like a, a big kiss ass Amazon. I will say, uh, you are so right about the uh, the channels, like the little niche channels on Amazon. So, when they started this in the beginning, I thought it was it made a lot of sense. It was it was really neat. Um, there was an anime one that people really like. There was a huge blowback to that. I can't even remember. Oh, what that it was, was Anime called. Strike. Yes, Anime Strike. Right. So oh, it was a
1: double pay one. I mean,
2: and so more no, like
1: Anime Strike out. <laughs> yeah, it, and it
2: did. And this was six years ago. And but this kind of thing is back. And there's like for any kind of genre film, there will be a channel. Even like Tokusatsu, there's a channel. But the problem is, it's like. There's not just one for horror movies. There's like there are like eighteen that like and they like subdivide into sections of horror. And like you said, there will be some with like seriously like a dozen movies on there. And you're just like, yeah, why? Why would I? This is my only recourse to watch this film, but it feels like I'm being taken. <laughs>
1: Can I also add, um, when you try and watch certain shows and some seasons are available in your area and some are not for the same fucking show? Oh my god! Then you know, that has actually happened to me relatively recently, and it made me think this is the future. This is the future <laughs> that I grew up in. I like, you know, I said to someone uh, recently uh, at a party, "I that like, you know what? All your fears of like AI apocalypse, like ours is going to be really dull." And really, really lame.
0: Mm-hmm. And this
1: is one such symptom of it. Fucking hell fire. I could not believe it. I could literally watch one season of a show, but not like another. And I was like,
2: fuck oh, this shit. So it was the it was the first season that you could watch? No,
1: no. Oh no. Uh season two, oh they my were free. god. Was not available.
2: Oh, okay. Well that so I understand the whole I mean, I don't like it, but from a from a business model capitalist kind of perspective. We'll give them the first season for free and make them buy the rest physically or digitally. But it's season two, see who? Why? <laughs> why would? Why would you pay to license the second season of a show? I, mean, I don't know. Maybe it was some sort of episodic thing and not a serial. I don't know. Anyway, this is
1: this is this is, this is what you get when CEOs like David fucking Zaslav or whatever his name is like <laughs> run the thing. Yeah. By the way, David Zaslav is basically it sounds to me like Lex Luthor in terms of cadence like you know it comes across <laughs> as like a super appropriate given he's technically in charge of DC from what I last checked but for fuck's sake also he's a dickhead and a wanker so I'll just put that out there anyway I'm getting mm-hmm. I'm getting let's, serious on something if I had to get some, off that system
2: uh, which I probably listen please I totally understand but we're going to transition from real life monsters to fictional monsters now uh and we're gonna ones, talk ones about are
1: actually interesting to discuss that's
2: right <laughs> literary value um yeah so uh this movie um Shadan, just uh off the top had you ever heard of it uh are you a, a horror buff like do you have much to compare this to and like do you have any big picture thoughts about this movie
1: i i've heard of this movie but that's like Years ago in my memory, um I never saw it originally. It's the very first time I've seen. In fact, I literally watched it maybe about half an hour ago. This is like the freshest, like you know, live from the scene takes here. Um, and
2: <laughs> from ground zero, the the blood is I, still trickling down the neck.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean that pools our game reopened for a while, but maybe I'm jumping a, <laughs> bit, a bit ahead here. Uh, what what I will say is my my high level thoughts are the best kind of horror in my opinion is where the monster is not the focus of the horror so as such but rather is a gateway to conceptual horror of a different stripe so a pretty classic example and it's my favorite horror movie of all time and i don't think anything will ever topple it unless something ridiculously amazing comes along or i get Round to watching maybe some of the more, like, you know, out-there Japanese horror films. I mean, Haosu was pretty good, mm-hmm. let's be fair here, uh, is, of course, John Carpenter's The Thing. So, the monster in that film is The Thing, but the real horror is the paranoia, the suspicion, the fact that you can't trust anyone, the way that people turn on each other, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah.
1: L- no pun intended. Huh. This This film is very similar. It is a vampire movie but the horrifying part of it is not the vampire. It is the concepts uh, that comes from about from, that explores through the lens of a vampire. I would say, and you're free to disagree with me, Doc, and person listening at home, bus, theatre, school, church, wherever you are, um, that you could replace the vampire concepts in this film with another monster of legend or myth or lore or what have you, a werewolf perhaps, maybe, um, and it would still work provided you kept the actual thing that it's exploring in there, the deeper layer beneath it. The vampiric element is just a lens for which it's explored. Um, So I really enjoyed this film overall. It's not flawless, and I'm not... This is not, by the way, the fault of the dub. The dub is a a separate issue, which I will uh, talk about a little bit later in fact no i won't actually i've pretty much covered all these no like with the fact that it sounds like a 90s (laughs) it's a 90s ova dub from an anime it's it's really that terrible um it does have flaws mainly one specifically egregious subplot and Mm. also a potentially problematic reading when it starts getting into certain areas around gender identity um This is all very, again, live from the scene kind of thing. So maybe with more time, I'd reflect on it differently. But you're going to get what I'm giving right now in the moment. But yeah, uh, a really good film overall. uh, With some especially astoundingly good cinematography, framing and shot composition as well.
2: Yeah, so um, I had heard of this, like, I I read a lot of the Polygon well, just the Polygon in general. It's a website that I read a lot. But they often will create lists of of films in different genres or in different uh, kind of uh, streaming providers. Like, here's, you know, 10 Korean movies on Netflix that you should see, like, before they go away. And, and it's not like the low effort sort of thing that that headline might make you think it is. Like, it's actually those lists are pretty thoughtful on Polygon. And this movie kept showing up in best horror films, uh, best horror films to see before they leave streaming, um, great horror films that have come out this year on streaming, those kind of lists. And I would always be really intrigued uh, by the premise. Um, and so when Drifters fell through, Tokyo Drifters, that is, Drifters did not falter. You can listen to our podcast on the anime Drifters right now on our feed <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh but when tokyo drifters fell through i don't know it just like being light bulb it's like you know it's not spooky season yet um but this movie i don't know i i really really want to see i'm feeling something like this something very small something kind of quiet um and uh cerebral and I think this movie is all those things. I totally agree with you that this movie really sheds a lot of the like the vampire baggage like the way that um the the writer um John, oh gosh, I'm gonna butcher this name John Ivid linkvist. Who wrote the you book? To, you need to be saying you need to
1: be saying all of these names while eating dime bars. hmm
2: I will work on that. I'm gonna order some for drone delivery on Amazon. Click, click, click right now. <laughs> um, and finally,
1: something they will actually <laughs> ship to you. Know, right. Not the, not this fucking film, at least not to nope, me anyway. Nope.
2: Um But so that uh uh Linkvis wrote the book and the screenplay for the movie. So uh I don't know, because I've never read the book, although I do know certain differences uh or or expansions of uh what's in the book from the content of the film um but i don't know whether to give credit to linqvist or thomas uh, alfredson the director of this movie for like stripping away from the vampire uh all the sort of uh, like i don't know just a lot of the excess baggage i don't want to say all the tropes because just sort of definitionally you know what a vampire is you know fanged being sucks the blood of humans to live dies if they're exposed to sunlight that kind of thing there's a basic framework but like doesn't like italian food (laughs) a a solver of uh of puzzles (laughs) like oh oh. we'll get to that Um, we'll get to that but like uh you know the like uh sexy goth mama living in a castle or like, you know, old like German man, uh, keeping hair. Like, I don't know, just, there's just a ton of sort of, uh, I don't want to call it cruff, but just like the expanded lore, the expanded vampire universe of mythology that's been added to over the centuries. Like it's really pared down here. So I agree with you. Like it's not about vampires being vampiric or, or whatever, it really is a movie about the human condition, particularly of adolescence. It's about innocence. It's about, uh, accepting the darker, uh, side of yourself. your darker nature, maybe some parts of your personality that you don't, that, that maybe the world won't find uh, as appealing. You know, it's about feeling different and being different and, and alienation and all those kinds of, of existential big words. Um, and so, yeah, I love the shit out of this movie. I think it's great. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be interested to talk about gender stuff with you because I, I, think, I think this movie is is pretty rock solid. Uh, when it comes to that, I don't think it's, it's particularly problematic. Um, but uh, we can discuss that at the appropriate time. Because um, yes. I, I have a feeling that uh, I might know some of the things, although I don't know you. Listen, you surprise me sometimes, Chromius Dome. So I don't know. Maybe you, maybe you'll come with a friend. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I
1: found that so funny when you said like you surprise me sometimes like that. <laughs> oh, you shit.
0: do, you do. And, and, so, and, so... And, and,
1: and to be fair, I could be completely talking out my ass on the gender stuff when we get to it. I will admit that as a cisgender mm-hmm. dude, that I my perspective is finite shall we say well the same then, thing is narrow necessarily but <laughs> finite
2: sure sure you you've not been you've not been bitten by one of us yet so you are you do have a finite perspective for for now mm-hmm. for now um but but uh there's maybe some information from the book that i can share that might um i don't know shed some light or something on on some stuff uh because mm-hmm. i do because I, I do feel that that you know that i'm gonna i'm gonna marshal that when we talk about that topic and i think it's really helpful but and the fact that it's not in the movie i i do kind of i i sort of see how someone might be like what yeah i don't know what's happening and it feels a little incomplete without the additional details um,
1: well i think my complaint about that when we get to it will probably not be assuaged by the details in the book because it feels somewhat foundational but we'll get to it and admittedly i think this is something that i probably wouldn't have considered had i watched in 2008 because Mm. unfortunately films do not live in a vacuum
2: um
1: they are mutable by virtue of what's going on in the wider world and particularly the perspectives of how shall we say the more odious people out there um which I won't see the perspective to, of course, but I'm really dancing around the issue here. I should start going on strictly. But anyway, we'll get to it later. Um, I suppose, in the meantime though, should we give a give a little bit of background on these plots, like a bit of a summary of it?
2: Uh, definitely. Why don't why don't you, since you have more freshly watched the film than I, uh why why don't you uh regale us with uh with your delightful summary here of Let the Right One In.
1: Okay, so Let the Right One In is about a kid named Oscar. And it's also about a kid named Ellie, or Eli. It's spelled E-L-I as in Eli. That's important relating to the gender stuff, because uh, even in the atrocious 90s anime dub that I listened to, it was pronounced as Ellie, as in
2: Last of Us is Ellie. Oh, okay. Kind of it's pronounced a little bit different in the native language. It's more like uh E-ly, but... You know, whatever, tomato, tomato, as far as I'm concerned.
1: I mean, if you were to say, like, it was Ellie in that way, like, it could be seen as, like, you know, a flexible name that crosses both sure, gender sure. lines. But but I don't know. I'm, again, giving credit to a dub here that feels like it was produced in a broom closet in a sunken in a, cruise liner. But anyway... <laughs> so uh oscar's your usual 12 year old kid he gets the shit bullied out of him all the time Uh, they keep calling him a squealy pig again this is the dub i'm relying on here it was probably more nuanced and better in the original swedish
2: you're right if they they would poke his nose and call him a pig and say squeal for me and yeah all that stuff it's in there in the subtitles anyway
1: and he lives with his mum but not his dad his mum and dad are separated whether or not divorce is not really material but nonetheless they are not together and he is spending time between his mum and his dad seemingly more infused by spending time with his dad but that ties into the whole point of the transience of where one belongs which is the wider theme of the film and this being in Sweden uh, it is constantly uh, covered in snow (laughs) like yes Yes, it's always it's always like nearly at night or like very cloudy. It's never really sunny, which again, vampire story. We'll tie into it a little bit later.
2: Um, Philadelphia this won't... ain't.
1: Yeah. So Oscar has a knife and he decides well, like decides, Brad, But he's he's had a bad day at school with the bullies who would take, you know, fucking being awful to him. Um he takes out his frustrations on the tree with this knife, like saying, like, you know. How do you like it, Piggy Squeal? Like basically turning it back on the bullies and his little playf, uh, stabbing here. And it's at this point that he meets a young girl. I'm going to say girl as he, because that's how she sure. perceives Ellie at that, that time.
2: Yeah. It's how, uh, Both. it's how they present themselves, uh, yeah. in the main. And, and they don't object for a large portion yeah. of the film.
1: But from here on out, I'll say they instead. So, um, Ellie. Uh, Eli, I'll, I'll go with Ellie just because, but, like, if that's pronunciation wrong, I do apologize. Ellie is on the uh, local climbing frame at this little, uh, like, Oscar lives in, like, an apartment block, which has, like, a little climbing frame play area outside. He's only 12 to be early, And they start talking, and this is the point where um, he, um like, introduces her to the Rubik's Cube, sorry, introduces them to the Rubik's Cube the rubik's cube is a great metaphor for the entire film by the way but i'm gonna leave that for later when we discuss the themes and ideas behind it um oscar can't solve the rubik's cube but ellie can ellie also is actually uh moving or lives with an older man whose name is hakan Hakan, i don't know how you pronounce it (laughs) he's a japanese
2: warrior hakan i'm I'm, yeah no you're right
1: in, in my simple brain, I'm going to call him Swedish Walter White because he's very good with chemicals, as it turns out.
2: Oh, no. Oh, no.
1: Um, so, Hacken, uh, Walter White, Walter White basically um, is helping Ellie, or rather, seems to be helping ellie i want to point out by the way this is really a talking point but i want to get this in here now the way this is all framed it makes oscar come across as the person who's actually the vampire at the start like if you know this a vampire film going into it and you watch it you think the way it's framed oscar's the actual vampire with the way it all cuts across from like oscar to like scenes where we don't see ellie like yelling at hakan for failing to get them blood really good stuff but i want to mention that because that ambiguity is really a great part of this little plot in it um Unfortunately, Hakan like can't actually he's he's been having trouble, yeah, and this is where the unintentionally hilarious bit is he keeps trying to kill people by hanging them upside <laughs> down to drain and coin their throats, but he's always interrupted one by this lovely little a white poodle. poodle. <laughs> and, yes. and and later on like he gets interrupted when trying to kill a kid in um in a changing room and I could have watched an entire film of him <laughs> trying to kill people and failing miserably because he constantly gets interrupted. Oh and he's just like, man! Oh it's my like God. yeah.
2: By the way, so are we going to summarize the whole movie here? Can we? Can we do spoilers or uh, what was your what was your plan? Because it it's germane to the um, comment I want to make here.
1: <laughs> um, I'll say that. I'll sum up the rest of the film super quick because I can pretty much do it in one sentence, even though like there's, <laughs> there's scenes that like vacillate back and forth. Oh this. no, I I wanted yeah. to
2: make the spoiler. You're doing you're doing fine. I just uh, yeah. we'll just uh, the Hakan spoiler, is uh, it, do it. Hakan is um you know the the uh how do I say the the annual familiar review uh for him <laughs> is probably not going to go well. It's he's been there's some definitely some lagging job performance uh for for him uh but i just wanted to say that i thought uh well you know what? i'll save my so i'll save my spoiler for uh for later uh when you mention hakan again but um or maybe perhaps even even later I'll, I'll save it so just continue
1: yep uh so because he's interrupted uh we don't see uh what happens when he gets back but he doesn't have any blood for fairly um again the, cup, the way this cut makes you it think it's oscar but it's not um so in the end they are actually forced to kill um jack or jock or, or how do you pronounce his name um in the middle of the street uh, <laughs> yeah de- desperation like because they are starving um so there's a chap who uh sees that happen from his apartment but doesn't believe what he sees and so doesn't tell anyone about it
2: the 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 single um, cat man he has many 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 cats
1: yep he has he has many cats that are like his uh, food bills must be great because the cats are made entirely out of cgi he has like a top <laughs> of the line like you know virtual reality space in his living room it's fantastic but i am getting ahead yeah. of myself a little
2: bit here. yes
1: um so I can't try again. This is where I mentioned the teenage boy. Um, But unfortunately, he gets interrupted because he didn't think to himself, wait, this guy was training with people. I'll catch him in the locker room. But then they come back and look for him. Whoops. Just like what or why, I guess. He got caught by his own, like, you know, like for game one little detail. Um, Now, he had brought hydrochloric acid with him, and he ends up deciding to Harvey Dent himself uh, to try and take his own life. What a... can kind I
2: of just say what a what a uh a fail safe to 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 bring that with you, just to be like, Look, things could go sideways. They they could go pear shaped as they say across the pond. And uh I could get screwed here and caught. I haven't been doing well. My plan if I get caught so so as not to people that have seen Ellie and I together, uh, so they won't be able to trace any of this back to them. Uh just gonna pour acid on my face. To disfigure myself permanently what a i mean the balls on that guy <laughs> lord
1: i mean he could have just stabbed the other two who were interrupting <laughs> I, mean, <laughs>
2: no, I uh it's yeah
1: i'm not i'm not yeah. criticizing the film all that by the way like <laughs> because the, the the point is that he ends up being hospitalized but he's also rightly caught as the person who's been doing these killings mm-hmm. um so ellie visits him in hospital and drains his blood, and he falls out the window and dies. I mean, he is Harvey Dent at this point, so unless he plans to fight Batman, there wasn't really a career left for him at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, But, the reason that's important is because Ellie's been staying with him, and with him gone, this now contributes to the whole idea of being transient in terms of like where you are, your security. We'll circle back around to this in the talking points, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Um, But she ends up staying in Oscar's uh, room anyway with him. Sorry, they end up Apologise for that. They stay with Oscar, uh, Oscar in Oscar room with him. Um, this is the point where Ellie reveal says, "I am not a girl." Now, I'm not going to get into this right now, but there are potential interpretations to this. Um, I'm not going to Bandai Namco this as they did with Gundam, <laughs> Witch recently. I'm of the i'm I am of the opinion that Ellie was was a boy, is a boy still, and is either um, asexual if that's the right term for it. Oh no. Sorry, intersex is the right term. I, I'll get there eventually. I'll get this right. Um, intersex instead. Um, but they, like, Oscar in his own 12 Girl way says, like, will you be my girlfriend? And they decide eventually to go steady, which means yes. just keeping things as they are. Again, tying back to the whole idea of the film. Then they go ice skating, and I laughed out loud this bit because in the dub, <laughs> the teacher uh says th- something's the effects of don't fall in the hole in the ice there's a hole in there don't <laughs> yes. fall in the hole in the ice yep. there's a hole in there <laughs> and I was like someone's falling that fucking hole Yeah. Yep. it's like um, Timmy going down the fucking yeah. well it's as predictable as the tides.
2: Yeah um, and it should be noted that this uh they they're ice skating atop the body of water into which uh our dearly departed Hakan has dumped a body, the first body uh, that it was he, jock's that body yeah oh no you're right not the first body it was jock's body yes that he he dragged it to the river on a children's sled <laughs> and then yeah he he tossed jock in the river and uh and they find him in this scene
1: yes um at this point also the the situation of the bullies escalates because ellie's previously told oscar fight back punch as hard as you can uh and having you know. been through some bullying bullying shit myself i'm like you know what fuck it If they're going to be shit to you, be shit back to them. Get violent, kick the shit out of them, do whatever you feel you can do or you're capable of doing because, I'm sorry, and maybe you as a parent can tell me otherwise on this stuff, but I, speaking from my own personal history as a child, all I can think to myself is every time I try to take it to the authorities, Mm. the teachers, what have you, do you want to know what happened?
2: You were ignored.
1: Fuck all! Yeah. Yeah. So eventually, like you know, it got to the point with us. And funnily enough, I have I remember one guy who I fought back against school like a couple of years later, planning on actually stabbing me for doing that. That Sweet happened, Jesus.
2: Christ. <laughs> yeah, Almighty.
1: and and uh, that, and funnily enough, do I am reminded of that because what happens later in the film? Right. But uh, right, Oscar ends up like whipping the uh, the kid uh, Connie, who's been bullying him, calling him pig. Around the ear with the poking... Like, the poking stick you that uh, Hakan had been using to move Jock's body around. Which I thought was made of plastic. I didn't think would literally wreck his... Like, <gasps> Connie's, like, ear like I it did. Know. But, yeah. you know what? The li- the little shit deserved it, so he I did. don't care. Fuck him.
2: Yeah. Fuck that kid. And all of his crap. Yeah.
1: yeah, they all should have got in the fucking lake, to be quite honest. It's where they belonged. But, simultaneously, uh, two girls find... Uh, Jock's body. So later on, um, Oscar and Eli get together and he suggests to them, let's form a blood bond, which means, you know, you cut the palm, both cut your palms. Oh, this yeah. part
2: was terrifying.
1: <laughs> the Willie Russell Blood Brothers. But Eli, like, you know, is, is half starved at this point because her, sorry, their usual food source has been um, taken away. Like, you know, her carn's gone. Um, so They end up actually revealing their vampiric nature to Oscar by lapping his blood from the floor, desperate as they are. Um,
2: A lot of tension there in that scene. Because Oscar still doesn't know. And we know. And we see the look in in Ellie's eyes. And it's, you know, you're like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Because at this point, I mean... Truly, don't know. I don't have a, a feel for how disposable the characters are, or whatever in this. And it's a horror movie, right? Um, mm-hmm. so thinking Oscar could just die. He could just he could just. Die, I don't think, but maybe I don't, or get attacked.
1: Oh, yeah, great scene. Who knows? Um, so Ellie runs off. There's a separate group of characters who have been in a couple of scenes up to this point. I haven't really mentioned, but Jock was a part of <laughs> yeah. that group. Um. Gusto, or Gust, whatever his name was, the cat guy, was. is also half a part of it. But I will get back to him later because i talk about the themes. They uh, they congregate... Sorry, God.
2: I think you were going to just say this, is that they always hang out at a place called the Sun Palace.
1: <laughs> oh, I didn't catch Com- the Sun Palace
2: bit. The wallpaper
1: is <laughs> incredible. But the one bit I did catch was that uh, in the, in the run-up towards the end, I'm jumping around a bit here, but there was a wonderful scene where... We see the bullies threatening, like, uh, you know, planning to get revenge on Oscar towards the very end of the film. And as soon as they set their plans in motion, it hard cuts to Oscar, like, outside somewhere, and in the distance is a sign that says, bad. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you're telling me. <laughs> oh. Again, this movie can be unintentionally funny at times, but not in a way where it's at its expense. And maybe some of it was even intentional. Who knows? Anyway, to circle back here. So, Jock, um, you know, he... You know he has a group of friends, um, but <clears throat> uh, there's her paramour. I'm not quite sure exactly how you define their relationship. I I don't know if they're like actually in, going out or if they're just I don't know friends with benefits. Whatever. Her, her paramour whose name is Lack. Um, like they have an argument like where he's like, oh Jack was everything. To, our Jack was everything to me. Nothing's ever the same again. Mm-hmm. And I tell you now, I'm delivering it with more emotion and energy than that fucking dub ever will. And I'm reciting it from memory. <laughs> um but in the end, like he says to her, like, You're so cold and she runs of, of like, you know, leaves, and he's like chased after saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She runs into into Ellie and Ellie attacks her and drains some of her blood, but crucially does not kill her.
2: Oops. Yeah, lack to the rescue.
1: <laughs> yeah so to speak. um so ellie, ellie escapes uh and virginia her name is sorry is a name um she's like some for some reason i this is the this is the part where we start discussing the subplot and this you can correct me if i'm wrong on this we both agreed pre-pod there was a subplot in this that shouldn't be in the film at all yeah and for me it's the virginia subplot it, yeah
2: too, too hot for the movie <laughs>
1: not the reason i was thinking no no come on i
2: think (laughs) oh i'm kidding i'm kidding Uh, yeah no this is definitely a like uh how did this make it through uh through editing um kind of a kind of a deal i don't hate it like it's not like necessarily bad it just is not additive really in any way
1: yeah it's like the coleslaw you get on some meals that you order it just comes in a little pot and you're like i don't want that and ask for it
2: yeah, send that shit. Maybe back. it's all. Maybe it's all right. Um, but know. um, basically, <laughs> for some
1: reason, and this confused the fuck out of me. Even though she has literally just been like attacked by to them a person who started like ripping her neck out <laughs> uh,
2: as <laughs> vampires do,
1: she just goes to sleep it off. Yeah, you just take some to the hospital t-
2: and like, yeah, yeah.
1: No, she's she's at home. She
2: doesn't even go to the hospital at that point, from what I recall. At some point, she's in the hospital. Oh wait, no, you're she right. Said, you're That's right. Lady. You're fucking right. Yes, she <laughs> just takes her home and like let me put some yeah. toilet paper on this cut.
1: <laughs> I mean, if it was if it was like I don't know, New York, I might understand that reaction. But this is Sweden. Yeah, like it's the never parts of Sweden. Nothing happens there. You'd probably be more like, well, fucking hell. I probably should take it to hospital. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, she's gushing blood <laughs> yeah. from these
2: two wounds.
1: Yeah. <laughs> But she discovers that she can't handle sunlight anymore, I can sympathise. Um, although not because of my vampirism, I don't have that. Um, and eventually um, she ends up in hospital, having then gone to the fucking Goster's apartment um, where her, his cats turn into CG and attack her. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, another reason why this subplot is superfluous because, like, <laughs> God, that was not
2: convincing <laughs> at all. Is, the subplot was worth it for that scene. I've changed my mind on it. Totally should be uh-huh. in the movie.
1: <laughs> so she ends up in hospital, and I'm going to I'm gonna fast forward to the end here. She ends up getting the doctors to kill her inadvertently by opening the blinds, at which point she explodes in flame. Another, another ballsy
2: person in this movie. It's just like, there is a open the door.
1: Hilar- <laughs> there is a wonderfully hilarious moment, though, where, like, because she's freshly been turned into a vampire and is already starving, having not had any blood, really. Um, Lack is there with her, and he's saying, I'm going to sell this stamp collection. Yeah! <laughs> and he's showing her it. <laughs> and I was howling with laughter at this, because if, because I'll tell you what, if if it turned out after the fact her motivation for getting the docs as a killer was having to sit through <laughs> looking at that shit i would understand oh
2: my god i I think he's saying like i'm gonna i'm gonna finally get off my ass and stop fucking around i'm gonna sell this valuable collector shit and like we're gonna go buy a home in the place that you've always wanted like or we're gonna actually have a real life together kind of a thing
1: um if i was in a hospital and someone was showing me a stamp collection (laughs) i'd be calling for the nurse immediately (laughs) that would make me want to die it could have been anything else. It didn't need to be his stamp
2: granddad's I mean, okay, stamp collection.
1: <laughs> is it sw- Swedish culture? I don't fucking know. But I found that hilarious. Ella's like very she's good. there, she's gone. She's emaciated. She's clearly like on her last legs. Like and thinking, God, He's I'm like to
2: look at this. This is James Brown.
1: <laughs> she's also, by the way, tied to the bed through like restraining straps. So there's no escape for her at this point. Yeah. It's the I, a, a fate worse than death. <laughs> Eternity Stan listening
2: collection. to the same collection discourse. Very good. Very yep. good.
1: Yep. Anyway, um, so around this time Oscar confronts Ellie and says, Are you a vampire? And it's at this point like where Oscar is asked by Ellie to put himself in their shoes for a bit to see the, you know to try and imagine things from their perspective. And there's actually a really great little insert shot of him imagining them as an older person. Mm -hmm. Because at various points, Ellie makes the point that they are 12, but they've been 12 for a very long time. This is, again, that kind of vampire thing where... I think... um, I, a couple of video games and vampires have done that. I know Skyrim, has, for example, of all fucking things, has a vampire that was like 12 or something like oh, that. Oh,
2: listen, it's, um, a, it's an anime staple, my friend.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, I think the Lost Boys might have had something in similar to that as well. I can't recall off the top of my head, but it's, it's not an uncommon trope in vampire stuff to have the, you know, 12-year-old uh, vampire um, who is actually like, you know, five years old. I'm okay with it, usually in Western material because it's not... Oh, then they, you know what? Yeah. I'm not even going to fucking yeah. go there. It's, let's just keep. It's not meant to moving. titillate
2: the audience. It's not meant as a as let's a. Let's just fucking get out of jail yeah. free card. It's cool to feel a certain kind of way because they're really 500 yeah. years old.
1: Yeah, let's just fucking move on. <laughs> yes. Um, that's the real horror here. Never mind this film. All right, anyway. So, um. Luck is like a uh, lack like at this point. Sorry, is I keep saying Locke like it's John Locke from Lost. So like he's not. Fuck that. Uh, but he is kind of lost because his, you know, his paramour's dead, his girlfriend's dead, and he's like, right, I'm gonna go kill this vampire. I guess. I think.
2: Yeah, we don't um, really know if he's but- put to pieces together like totally, because he never really gets to tell us, which I think is good. But either way, yeah. he's like, those motherfuckers are gonna pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: he's crazed um so he ends up like actually breaking into ellie's apartment uh and almost kills them they're sleeping in the bathtub underneath a bunch of blankets the, again, so can i just thing say this
2: this scene to me was the scariest scene in the movie when mm-hmm. he is like slowly reaching down to pull the blanket ever so slowly from the tub like yeah. i was on the edge of the edge of my seat like head well, the, in hands the, like the entire oh my god what's gonna happen he's gonna kill
0: he's gonna die
2: like and then they weren't under the first blanket and i was like oh relief and then oh no wait they're under the second one. Oh no but, sorry go ahead go ahead
1: well well that's the uh that's one of the themes of the film isn't it that the the monsters are the uninvited never mind they don't like a monster that you invite monster quote unquote that you invite into your life is fine but a like the people we don't invite into our lives are the monsters the bullies like you know there's there's a scene I admitted talking about before where um when Ellie comes and visits Oscar at the apartment his apartment again um they point out you need to let me in because part another bit of vampire law one of the lesser used ones I think probably cuz it it doesn't have a lot of story utility in a lot of cases although it certainly does here is vampires have to be invited across the boundary uh, hence our jokes before about Discord calls and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oscar's like, well, what happens? Like, you know, and he's like playing with them a little bit, like, you know, doing the uh, finger-wagging stuff and all that kind of thing. Um, and so Ellie crosses the threshold, having not been invited, and starts to um, bleed, starts to hemorrhage. All, like, on, like mastery. even, I think, mm-hmm. is, is the mm-hmm. prep phase for it. Um, and then Oscar's like, okay, I'm sorry, like, you know, and that leads into the bit where um, Ellie asks Oscar, like, uh, you know, be me for a bit. Be me for a little while. Anyway, um, so Oscar is about to stab Lack before Lack stabs um, Ellie in the throat. Uh, Ellie kills Lack uh, while he's distracted, and at that point they realise they need to leave because, well... I don't think between the two of them they can really move and hide a body like that. Like, I mean, Hakan was doing that for her. Like, that's why that was happening because Hakan could discreetly um, kill people, even though he, for some reason, tried to kill the first one on what was clearly just a very thin forest next to a public footpath, which was a bit of an error.
2: He took the familiar class at Hustler Mm -hmm. University.
1: Well, that was his first mistake. (laughs) Yeah. Whoops. Whoops. So they have to leave. And again, tying into the idea of, like, you know, transience in terms of emotional and social security. And I'm not talking about, like, your welfare bear. I'm talking, like, as in relationships.
2: Um, oh, can I just say really so quick? So they leave. Because I think this is a good point to, to bring it in. I, and you can repeat what you just said, because I know it's important. But um, kind of an interesting thing implied in the book here, Um, maybe, maybe not here, but, like, I think it's appropriate to talk about it here, is uh Hakan was Oscar like 50 years ago like yes. this whole thing has played out and you know he was infatuated with with Ellie live with them was their familiar you know kind of did all the things you talked about logistically to make it easier for them to live uh you know, he grew physically, but I think the book might imply that he was emotionally kind of stunted and still infatuated with Ellie. Um, And, and I, I independently wondered that at some point around this time in the movie was like, you know, maybe the two kids are going to run off together. Will Oscar just become the new Hakan? How many times has this happened before? You know, I was thinking that I don't think in the movie you necessarily need to uh, stick by that interpretation, but I thought it was interesting.
1: Yes, yes. Um, I do think there's certainly um, things you could read into with that. We'll get to that uh, in the talking voice, but it's very astute for you to bring that up. Uh, and it invites the idea of how many times this has this happened over the decades or centuries. Um, a lot of it is very ambiguous. Like Ellie never, for example, reveals when they became a vampire um so um ellie leaves oscar at this point um like the following day goes to school he's been doing an after school fitness program he's been like you know doing uh weight um you can pump more iron than i can that's for sure um <laughs> and also um things like water um <clears throat> water aerobics and stuff like that so connie and his uh cronies connie's cronies if you will connie's crones um like, they set fire to something to draw the teacher away, and then, in classic bully fashion, uh, I got the shit kicked out of me, so I'm bringing my cousin in, who's, like, at least a good foot taller than me, even though the cousin in this film, like, I don't know if he's actually Connie's cousin, but I'm just calling Older him. brother. Even though the, co- yeah, older brother, cousin, whatever. Uh, even though he looks like a fucking dweeb as well, so I don't know. He I don't want to exactly intimidate him. Switchblade or no? Well, so but this film, says,
2: this film was is meant to be set in 1982. I don't know if that uh, gives more grace to like you know the way people look in this movie or not.
1: It, that you, that makes sense because there was a very specific <clears throat> bit of like background dialogue that for some reason didn't get translated. Or dubbed into something more innocuous about Brezhnev, who was the leader of the Soviet oh. Union up until 982. Perfect. So there you go. Um, anyway, um, so this older brother, cousin, fuckface, whatever you want to call him, basically gets everyone to leave the pool now that the teacher's fox off and says to Oscar, right, you've got to put your head underwater for three minutes. And if you do, I'll just nick you with this knife. If you don't, I'm going to stab one of your eyes out. Because, again, this is an escalation of violence, thing. An eye for I an ear. That, yeah. And I know, given what I said before, like, that people will be like, well, you were advocating for violence, Shads, and this is what's going on. I'm like, what's your alternative? You've got to fucking fight back. Kick the shit out of it. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so, Oscar's like, basically gets his head forced underwater. And in a wonderfully cut scene um, in which you're like, oh, well, that's happening. Um, <laughs> All the bullies save one are decapitated. Uh, we don't see any of it because we only see like the underwater perspective of like this uh-huh. hand holding us underwater that's perfectly still, while we see another kid get dragged across the fucking swimming pool <laughs> at high speed and a decapitated head drop underwater. And it's just ma, yeah. oh, it's great. Yeah, the 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 sh- the and fraud that that just deserves Loved it, loved it. Uh, Ellie. Um, is there, of course, and has killed all the bullies. Say for one, and the they blonde reach their kid who's them. like
2: going to be traumatized yeah. forever.
1: <laughs> like, well, oh, fuck him. I've got no sympathy for pricks like that. Whether you whether you die or you live with the mental trauma of seeing a vampire kill your friends, quote. Unquote.
2: Right. Yeah. Hard, yeah. hard to hard to feel sympathetic for the no. little dweeb who was, took no. took great pleasure in. Uh, in hitting oscar while his his dudes held them so yeah
1: yep uh by the way one thing i want to note now just to put a pin in it for later ellie is not affected by water just keep that in mind for when i get to talking about the construction of like and the use of vampires as a storytelling mechanism later okay because i because i feel like some people would like some some people watch the film and go like why, isn't they, why aren't they affected by water and I'm like there's a reason for that I'll get to it just, just, just don't get too anal about you know fucking vampire myth and lore we're not that. the podcast anyway,
2: for you if if this is your the stand you make about this movie
1: <laughs> we're not fucking cinema sins or the no. critical drinker no. even no. though I am both critical and a drinker but I'm not a that guy for which I am immensely grateful moving on so this then leads into the film's. Ep- I'm going to call it epilogue, closing scene. Right. Maybe epilogue is perhaps the right term. Oscar is on a train to destination unknown. Uh, Ellie is not nowhere to be seen, but is in a ca- uh, like a suitcase, mm-hmm. like a large chest, basically. One thing that I've not mentioned is that Oscar throughout the film has been learning Morse code, and he learns to communicate with Ellie. Um, through that because they their apartments are next door to each other so he would for example write out a message in Morse code by tapping on the wall the thin wall between the two apartments and they would respond um, I'm going to confess at this point because people who have read the Wikipedia story might think I'm quoting a bit from it and I am, I freely <laughs> admit that just to make sure I'm not getting details wrong but one thing that was on there that wasn't present or wasn't explained in the, um, in the version I watched because it didn't have any subtitles um, is that Ellie is tapping the word "kiss" in Morse code, and he's tapping back "small kiss."
2: Oh, so that's the note that the film. That's ends cute. That wasn't subtitled uh, in my version either.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm um, uh, uh, there's I don't know, but uh, that's what that note ends on. And the Morse code, even if you didn't catch that, has a thematic meaning as well, which I'll get to in a bit. But that's the story. Uh, it ends with Oscar and Ellie moving on to. Parts unknown, an uncertain future, but a future in which they're striding towards together um which i've we'll get to uh page, sorry discord questions in a moment um one of those mentioned the bittersweet nature of the ending, which I would agree with, so that's the what notes on which ends on
2: yeah, uh well, thank you. That was an excellent summary um like Shadon said. We've got discord questions coming up and we've got our own talking points. But uh, speaking of discord, uh, if you are enjoying this podcast and you don't want to be a total, you know, blood sucker as it were freeloader without giving anything back, then you could head on over to coffee.com slash water. We show that's, k-o-fi.com slash w-a-r-u-i-d-e-s-h-o-u and uh, drop us a little donation in any increment Um, and then you get discord access so you can ask us these questions uh, that we have to answer, we are bound Uh, Shadan and I have made a blood oath similarly uh, the, the kind that Oscar was going to uh we have rubbed bloody palms together and swore that we would answer these questions and you you could do that on the discord you could participate in our lovely community where we talk about anime manga video games wrestling sports all the things um we have also streaming sessions like folks will group watch anime shadon has organized big like Multi-hour Halloween streams, lots of good fun, good fun stuff that we have going on on our Discord, and it's pretty much the only place you can find me that I <laughs> that I frequent uh, as far as talking to other people on the internet. So yeah, uh, kofi.com/slash/warui_desho. Um, and with that, we're going to take a very short break, and when we come back, Discord questions, and then discussion
1: dun 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 see you in a bit everyone
0: You ready to play our game, Kirkshin? Uh... All right. This is good. Yes. Yes. He doesn't say yes or no. Yes. He just laughs. Yes. <laughs> Does Quinn Snyder look like the upstart politician surging in the polls whose campaign collapses amid rumors of an affair with his assistant? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. Does Mike Budenholzer look like the guy who really needed that last sale? <laughs> <laughs> Does Tony Reale look like the guy at the bar who walks up to the girl you just started talking to, asks her to dance, and then looks back across his shoulder to wink at you as he walks away with his arm around her waist? <laughs> yes. Does Christian Yelich look like the unpopular high school kid who loses control of his house party when it's crashed by Rob Gronkowski and Brian Cushing? (laughs) Does Andrew Luck look like the kid who puts his mouth all over the water fountain? Does Tom Rinaldi look like the earnest small town funeral director who comforts elderly grieving windows by, uh, widows by offering them some water served in a Dixie cup? <laughs> Does Will Kane look like a preacher on television asking you at home to put your hand on the screen to receive prayer? <laughs> Does Bill Belichick's face look like his son just told him that he wants to be oh. a professional trapeze artist? <laughs> does jim ursay look like the doctor wearing a head mirror who after a few questions lifts out of his chair and says well let's see what's under the hood (laughs) and finally does skip bayless look like the guy who after being undercover for two months gets so excited when he finally sees his mark that he breaks cover and makes his move a little too soon and gets taken out from his blind side. Then, as he lies in the sand dying, he hears a faint voice from far away saying, Mr. Bond, welcome to Tangier. (laughs)
2: Welcome back, folks, to What Are We Death Show. Uh, we're here talking about Let the Right One In, and now we're going to answer some Discord questions. Shadan, would you like oh to boy. ask the questions?
1: Yes, we have two, and both of them are from longtime uh, Discord member and all-around awesome person, Go-Go Atomic Robot. The first one, and this is going to go into the topic that I think we need to get out of the way. Well, I, I say that not because I... You know, think oh, it's not worth your discussion, but like because we've already discussed it, and it's going to be something that I feel contentious about. But let's just get into it. Um, Gogo, sorry, Robert asks, how does the film deal with gender presentation and roles? Right, doc. Let me get the let me get my complaint out there. Do my quote unquote complaint about this, and let's talk about it. I could very well be wrong. I'm open to being talked out of this. Is it not problematic to portray? an intersex character is also a pr-
2: as a predator. Um, Oh boy. Coming in hot with that. <laughs> with
0: I, had that to, I had to get it. Uh, yeah, because um, well, So
2: I hadn't thought about it in those terms and I'm not, um, although I, I should be, I'm not, uh, up on, you know, like whether or not, intersex is in fact the appropriate terminology here because okay it doesn't go into this in the book right but i'm sorry in the movie but in the book uh ellie uh was born uh like 200 years ago uh as a boy right called elias and uh Ah, okay vampire noble kidnapped him at age 12 uh forcibly removed their genitals and then turned them uh, into a vampire. Um, And so, yeah. Um, And please, please, anyone listening that wants to educate us and feels that they have the energy and love to do so, like, yeah, hook hook me up. (laughs) uh, Enlighten me here. Yeah,
1: I... Yeah, I I will say that I'm using the term insects here because I don't know what the right one is for this specific specific context uh-huh. as it pertains to the film. Um, but here's the thing, right? Let's backtrack to classic Bram Stokes Dracula.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Vampirism in that story was essentially a tie into the idea of the rich draining the vitality out of the poor, right? Um the aristocracy you know like leeching off the people beneath them it was a it was a class criticism beneath the monster aspects of it which is also again why i think that story works really well by the way just to backtrack even further when i said before about like the best horror films being monsters like metaphor and all that that doesn't mean that there can't be good monster films in of themselves i I just want to make that clear but i think that if you're going to go and do something about the gender element in this film, I understand like how that's being used as as, as a representation or a part of Ellie not belonging.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. that's the entire film. It's about people not belonging, and that goes even as far as to some of the side characters, like the cat guy. He doesn't feel like he belongs. He's barely shown say the meetings. He only shows up to one of them because Jacques is killed, and he sees that happen, and he feels he has to tell someone. But otherwise, he comes across as a bit of an eccentric. No shame there. Like, he's a cat guy. Whatever, you know? (laughs) But it's about, like, the fact that, you know, many different people uh, don't seem to, like, have a, how do I put this? Like, they always seem to be, like, on edge Mm -hmm. with where they are. They don't really belong. So the question I have is, okay, you've got Ellie as a vampire here. And being a vampire in and of itself as a diegetic thing makes you an outsider. So that alone would be sufficient. So bringing in the gender stuff as well, if that were its own thing, if it was just say, let's say we took the vampire stuff out of the story entirely and just made it a story about a, ki- uh, a regular boy hanging out with, again, I'm using the term here for lack of, for, out of ignorance for knowing what the right one is, an intersex person mm-hmm. and coming to accept them, that would also be I. But when you conflate these two together and bring in the predation element, and also the fact that you know Virginia is infected by Ellie and then dies, does that not? Mm, I don't know. It feels like these two things are not necessarily in simpatico with each other. They do come across like as if that you could read it in a really negative right, way. I don't right, right, personally. Right. I don't. I don't see to the this whole fucking shit of LGBTQ people being groomers. That's bullshit. If there was any truth to like you know painting an entire group as groomers because there's one or two bad actors as there are in every group, then there wouldn't be a a fucking Christian church anywhere on the planet because of what priests have done in the past.
2: Talk talk about it's all talk about words that have been, vampired, uh, and and lost all their meaning. Fucking the word groomer, like (laughs) just, uh, getting to be like the word woke, just synonymous with bad thing. Like People just fling that word around about just about yeah anyone that they dislike that disagrees with them about uh, yeah sexual or cultural issues, but um
1: yeah. no okay Some dickhead in Arkansas stubs his toe and blames the groom uh, exactly yeah, yeah. fucking yeah.
2: shit so like okay um so I hear I definitely hear where you're coming from. Firstly, let me just say Ellie being a vampire i think it's cool as shit uh i think it's a plus i don't think it's a negative trait at all (laughs) um and i do think that this is a movie in which there are many interpretations that can live together um i don't think that there are a bunch of interpretations that necessarily are at loggerheads or are conflict or they're they're all trying to get the last seat in uh, musical chairs. I think there are a lot of interpretations that can stack on top of each other, and you can kind of sort of treat them as different uh, different layers which can be removed, pulled back, or replaced down uh, on top of each other and, and mm-hmm. look at the movie through these different lenses. Um, this sort of very literal thing here, on that level, I mean, I don't necessarily... Uh, predation is not really a word I would use because I mean I I guess technical in in a technical sense is true right but like I think one of the strengths of the movie is that you have uh, Ellie a character who like they tell Oscar outright you know you want to kill for revenge it's the thing you fantasize Mm -hmm. about killing people Um, I have to to live it's instinctual um it's a it's a survival thing it's not like a they didn't uh, become a monster i don't see ellie as a monster in this movie in the, in no, no you know what no. i mean like they are um they are just following their instincts um and gosh uh yeah i mean i just think that I guess you could see it that way but I think that you would be you would be looking at it in very bad faith in my opinion because I really do think that the the person the people making this movie right uh, want to want the, the film to be about being different or just feeling different and alienated and what that experience is like when you're an adolescent. Um yeah. I agree. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I, I I do agree. Um this is a thing where I, it's it's an interpretation that I couldn't help but think of, but it's one that I'm actively trying to reject.
2: Um But as far as go Gogo's oh, I'm sorry, were you done with uh with I
1: didn't I I that's fine, that's fine. I mean, first off like Ellie's killing of like you know uh, Jacques and um the, her attack sorry their attack on virginia um they you know they are contextually acts of desperation and there's a further interpretation one could make in that if you take the vampirism like the needable not to literally be to sustain the vampiric nature of oneself but rather the in the wider theme of the film of like you know freely given social contacts you could take it to mean that like those who do not have contact with other people will eventually lash out like, you know, that the absence of interaction um, and communication um, and relationships other people will drive people, you know, it will, it will drive people mad mm-hmm. to do what, like the thing that they do there. You could read it that way. And that's probably the interpretation I would favor, but part of me just again, can't help but, Disentangle the fact that, like the vampire and the insects elements, are on their own sufficient to carry the theme. When you wedlock them together, again, mm. it's also, a thing I actively reject. Yeah,
2: yeah. Go ahead. You actively reject?
1: No, I, I, I actively reject the interpretation because I just can't help but think. But I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want to feel that way, but I feel like I had to at least acknowledge it just to just to get it out there because it just feels like I think some people might be, as you say, unfair to the film in that. And I I also will say that I think that if I were to raise this point to the actual author of the book, and in turn the in fact, did you say the author did the script as well? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So so if I raise it to the author, they would, and I they would probably say that they didn't mean any of that and i would similarly also give them the benefit of the doubt and the credit to say like that they had no such you know intention in that way of doing that but it's just one of those things mm-hmm. where i kind not think is this is this something people could mm. well so and i'm gonna and leave it, it there yeah. i'm gonna really uh-huh. not not uh, not subscribe to yeah it, basically
2: well and if and if we're using the book uh as as canon here i mean this is not anything that Ellie was born with. This was something in large part forced upon them by the person that turned them into a vampire. Um, And, you know, also like, I mean, in some sense it's, it's like Ellie has sort of moved on from gender (laughs) because, um, do you know the scene that you brought up when they tell Oscar, I'm not a girl, you know, and there's a scene yes. when they're at the carnival and they say, or they're somewhere. I can't remember. And they say, would you still like me if I wasn't a girl? And Oscar's like, sure. Um, Ellie never goes that extra step and says, I'm not a girl. I'm a boy. Um, It's like, I, I bet I, I have a suspicion if Oscar asked, well, what then? Are you a boy? They would say, nope. They just sort of are themselves and, you know, happen to dress the way that they do and present the way that they do, either because it's what they prefer or it's more convenient for traveling. Uh, You know, maybe people ask less questions about a, a man with their little quote-unquote daughter, right? Who knows? Don't know why. That's not revealed to us. But
1: yeah yeah this is one of those things where there's a tension between ambiguity and div- and defining something outright because in reading the wikipedia for this film there was mentioned that the there was discussion i think between the author of the film and the director about things that they they had like scenes i think they explained this in more detail that like could uh, bring across those points in the book that got cut but the ambiguity also works out better in some cases i think mm-hmm. um because one of the things about using vampire lore and all that is a general problem is the more rigidly you put rules in the more it starts to feel like some sort of dice game rather than being something that does delivers good organic storytelling.
2: Well look at it so... look at it also from a sort of a positive angle, right? Like you also if Ellie the vampire character was not uh intersex uh, you would not have uh, a a person with that sort of identity being loved and embraced in the center of a very wonderful, yeah. you know, teen love story. Um, mm. so there there yeah, are pluses. Right. Uh, there are pluses here, and I mean, there's also kind of if you want to get very like, uh if if you want to pull back the camera a little bit and get psychological with kind of reading the movie i know that there are interpretations out there that are very much like ellie doesn't exist not real uh oh, no one is ever said that. well they, so here's so the material evidence they cite is that uh you know uh no that uh very sort of there's not really a concrete scene that you couldn't explain away, where those two are in a room and someone else is also in a room and acknowledges both of them, and then whenever Oscar goes into the apartment at the end, looking, uh, presumably for Ellie, and it's been totally cleared out. There's there's nothing that remains of their stuff. Uh, and I guess the read the 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 upshot of it is how this all cashes out is um. That, that Ellie is meant to be the darker kind of feelings or aspects of uh, of Oscar's personality, and how uh, the movie is about him accepting that part of himself. You know, not necessarily becoming not not becoming like a murderer, even though he's. There's a little clip of him being being fascinated with murder. He's got a big scrapbook of uh, of killing. Uh, newspaper clippings um but uh but yeah that it's a more allegorical kind of thing and and i don't there's to me that's like a kind of a shaky read because a lot a lot happens (laughs) that you that la needs to be really really there for but it's one of those things where like i guess in burning uh although i think burning you could make way better of a case for this kind of thing
1: like no vampires in burning so you could be like you know
2: uh this scene didn't really happen uh it's just uh metaphorical or this you know you have to do you have to take a lot of liberties uh and and add a lot of your own thoughts and headcanon i think to make that work that's not a very tidy read of the movie it's but, an interesting with, with
1: burning it was with burning I, like i was the one who possibly postulated the fact that whatever his name was didn't exist mm-hmm. He was a fiction ben. of like the of the of Ben yeah, he was a fiction of the lead character's jealousy and all that, but the thing is and I want to be clear here um there is no supernatural bent to uh Ben if you're gonna have a character who is a figment of the lead character's imagination, why do they need to be a vampire then?
2: what what could, better way to embody the your dark nature than as a vampire?
1: could be anything. Sure,
2: it could have been anything but happened to be a vampire. <laughs> Ugh. No, I, I don't buy it.
1: I mean, also, yeah, I'm, not, like, I'm not into for it. All, for, all, for, all, for all I call that, like older brother a dweeb, like I do believe, given the way it represents, he would have drowned Oscar given the chance or stabbed him. So the fact that th- that doesn't happen and Oscar is somehow able to escape um, if Ellie didn't exist and was just a figment of his imagination, uh, no.
2: Or that didn't happen at all, right? He's just at the pool and dreaming about killing them because he's still, oh. you know what I mean? So it's, 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 it's silly. It's silly. And, but I do, I think there's value in thinking about Ellie as kind of a symbol at times for the, the darker side of the coin, uh, uh, to Oscar. Um, but I, I don't go so far as to be like, well, that's all that's happening in the movie. Ellie doesn't exist. It, I think that's silly.
1: T- t- to, 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 to me this feels like it has as much credence to it as the mass effect free indoctrination theory which <laughs> i'm gonna say right now and I, i'm telling you the absolute truth there i thought it was bollocks the first time i heard it and it was bollocks by the time the extended edition came out and it basically spent all of its time poking holes in it because the answer at the end of that theory was okay shepard's indoctrinated now what i know so what so fucking what <laughs> god some people some some people were on the copium real hard with that where i was like no this is just a shitty ending to a franchise and it was admittedly always going to end badly because of our strategy. but that's a podcast for a different day anyway anyway right i will say one other thing about gender stuff though i want to talk very briefly because this is more of a like a side note but the relationship between oscar and his parents i find like feels like it goes along very stereotypical like gender norms in terms of who like young boys relate to because it's his uh-huh. dad he's got the most interest in, Um oh. whereas his mum's like whatever, like you know, he doesn't really care. Um but I will note, and this is again talking about ambiguous here, um what the fuck was that guy's name? Um Holy What's the name ye- of the actor <laughs> who played uh the, no 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 what's the name of the actor who played uh the winter soldier in the Marvel films?
2: Oh Chris Evans. Sebastian
1: Stan. <laughs> No, Sebastian oh, okay, Stan. Okay. That's Captain America. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And I so, don't know. Marvel, Swedish. So. so, so, um, Oscar's with his dad in one scene. Uh, we have an earlier scene with him, like driving along like this ice flow or something, and they're like they're having a good time doing that. And there's another scene where he's playing some saucer game with him, but then a visitor turns up, quote unquote. Yeah, and he's basically Swedish, Sebastian Stan, <laughs> Swedish Winter fa- Winter Soldier. Yes, I mean it would be appropriate for Sweden, I guess, given how cold it is, there But anyway, yeah. um,
2: and Dad starts drinking. Did
1: you? So, here's a question for you. I don't know if I'm overreading this or not, but those two seemed overly familiar, and I thought, (laughs) is there something going on here?
2: Uh, I I suppose it's possible. Here's the way I read it, right? As, uh, what was, like, blah, blah, blah. Let me untangle my tongue here. I read it as, uh, an old drinking buddy coming by, and, uh, oscar's dad you know indulging in the drink and you know showing us why uh he and his uh wife are separated you know because he loves the drink Uh. and is not uh responsible for his child or family while he's drinking so much so that oscar hitchhiked home um yes he did (laughs) and the dad was not anywhere trying to stop him and it's it's never mentioned again throughout the film. He, he, I guess the implication is he didn't really care that much. And so, yeah, you have yeah. dad that's all fun and no responsibility, and mom that's all about rules and no fun.
1: Yeah, I, I, I just thought that because I thought to myself, okay, like, he's literally stopping the game of his son right way through for the friend specifically, not for the drink, because the drink doesn't come up until the friend turns up. And that's why I thought that pretext, like, wait a minute. Because, you know, if they're just, like, regular friends and, like, you know, you, your friends, like, look after his son and playing game, I wouldn't, like, stop. Unless it's just the, like, the explanation is he's just a really shitty father at heart. We've seen only, like, the presentation of him being good, which is the film's decision. But I, I was curious about that because I thought, like, Oscar's reaction to, like, this moment, I, I put that then also compared to, like, a scene later on, which was a very short one where... He and his mum are both brushing their teeth and they start doing this like fun little game where they like match each other's movements. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, I don't know. I just thought it was like one of those things where um, his dad, like, was like previously seen as like, a, a, admittedly, like, I, I I'm, my thoughts aren't fully formed with this one, but I just thought, like, okay, his dad's like got something going on there with that guy. Um, Could be. And so, like, the, the traditional, like, you know, Stereotyped Oscar's is shattered. Um and is and instead he starts associating a little bit more of his mum with that little game there. I don't know. Both of these are only literally a scene apiece between them. And if the more logical explanation is probably the one you posited there. But I couldn't help but notice like that we saw like the gender in any case, the traditional gender norms of like, you know, boys associate with their dads more be dismantled a little bit. And it contributes to the overall sense of like Oscar feeling displaced from a Mm -hmm. you know a stable place in like in terms of his familial structure and social structures it's not a part of that all dissolving over time
2: it was a small scene but it was very sad i mean to me when you know clearly oscar is wanting to continue as things are with his dad right he's like hey dad it's your turn in the game and dad goes you know we have a guest it's time to drink and then you see Oscar retreat to like fondling, you know, the sweater that uh the Ellie wore and like just sort of totally going inward into himself before leaving. Yeah. He clearly did not feel safe. Um and very very sad uh to me. Yeah. Um so uh Gogo did ask about gender roles and I don't know, I mean this film to me uh uh, there's not a lot going on with like traditional gender roles because um you know we don't really have like a woman uh character uh in the spotlight uh i guess unless you count Jenya, <laughs> which i, I <laughs> prefer not to <laughs> uh and then oscar is just a kid you know i think that i think um it's very, they're both very malleable actually because they're both kids that haven't been uh you know he'll, he'll use the word you just use: indoctrinated by society right yeah. like uh oscar has no pushback against uh against who you know who ellie turns out to be
1: uh yeah so. can i just also backtrack and say like if my interpretation of like his dad now hang like hooking up with an actual guy is true like or if that's like something that other people read as well Oscar's sense of displacement at that moment I don't think i should be i should be clear as I don't think it's because like his dad's now queer, but like or like but it's more because like it's just not what he expected it's a transition it's a transition period from like being knowing something for certain to uncertain i see for me at a given time if, if for
2: me it was because go oh, no I was gonna say for me it was because he'd seen this movie before like <laughs> that's why he he wanted like he didn't want it to happen he was like. If it was a total, to me, if it was a total surprise encounter, like this guy, an old friend showed up or whatever, like, I remember like when I was that uh, age as a kid, I'd be, like, curious and interested and we talked, but, like, he clammed up, like, um, to me, it's, like, says, like, okay, he knows that his dad is about to dive into the bottle with this guy and, like, he does not like that and he he wants to stop it, but there's not really anything he can do.
1: Yeah, getting in the best of the Ikea vodka while he can. <laughs> um, I, I'm just pointing that out because I feel like I would be a hypocrite if I was criticising the film uh, for, you know, how it presents Ellie potentially as predatory in probably a more literal sense that I was thinking of, um, while being, again, in sex, possibly not right term there. But similarly then going, well, actually, like, you know, Oscar's seen like this stereotype of like, you know, his dad, like, you know, this his understanding of, like, a traditional uh, father, like, unravel before his Mm. eyes and that's a bad thing. And I want to be clear, like, if that's the interpretation that, like, I'm going with I'm not agreeing with it in the sense of, like, oh, it's bad because Oscar sees his dad is now, you know, dating a guy. I'm saying that it just means that Oscar, like, is having to deal with change and change is uncomfortable but he'll, you know, learn eventually or he would do until he got on the train to who the fuck knows where. But anyway, that's all I really have to say on the gender role stuff. Like, I don't feel adequately equipped enough to d- discuss it in more detail, and I will put a play out against the people listening to this podcast. for for those who know better, uh, for those who are more informed, like, more knowledgeable, I'd be curious to hear your opinions on this. Tell me I'm right, tell me I'm wrong. Help me be better, basically. There's always time for me to learn. There's always time for me to learn about people's experiences and how they relate or perhaps even don't relate to this film as it pertains to the presentation of of that stuff we've talked about and I can only offer my limited perspective and admit my the narrowness in that but I'll at least try and be honest about it and try and fumble my way through it
2: yes Um, I just did a quick cursory google search that came to no definitive conclusion (laughs)
1: well that's just google in general (laughs) maybe i
2: should ask bard or chat gpt don't have time right now we're we're podcasting um
1: i mean yeah we don't we don't have seven hours for you to review the answer and make sure it's right exactly
2: exactly um okay next question from gogo atomic robot aka the strawberry thief
1: okay next question is the ending of the film hopeful or does it suggest a bleak future for oscar and ellie all right. My first question is: How the fuck is Oscar able to move that bigger a, a casket that you know they're Listen, they're hiding in? Don't
2: think about this. I'm
1: joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm, joking I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm taking the piss. Um, I, I think we can take the fact that they're on the move but still together as a positive sign because this film is about the existential horror of the shifting of relationships. And, you know, social interactions, friendships, family, you name it. And not belonging. And so the fact that they're in transit means that I think that between them they've both realised that it's not a question of a place that they need to be in. The school, the apartments, you know, what have you. But as long as they're together, then that's good enough. So I'm leaning more towards the hopeful side because it moves away from location as the, like, linchpin of relationships and belonging and more towards personhood like the the people that you associate with if you're constantly on the move for in lo- location wise whether physically in terms of moving home or maybe even digitally like you know if you lose contact from someone through twitter because twitter's gone down the shitter um that as long as you i yeah i
0: know I, I have good my
1: moments um um, then, as long as you can at least stay together um then that's what really defines a strong sense of belonging like not that you belong in a place but you belong with a person
2: yeah i that I it is very well said I mean, I would agree to me the the ending reads hopeful uh the tone of of the shot and everything about the mood uh in the scene and and all that sort of stuff feels feels positive um it felt uh you know it felt very good for me like to see both of them get out of there like to me it's like they were increasingly increasingly uh suffocated by being where they were and and unable to feel safe Uh, unable to, to feel at home, um, and just super alienated from this place. And for Ellie, you know, Ellie continues to move, but Oscar, you know, it's a big part of, uh, sort of the, the loss of childhood and innocence, right. Is to like move on from your birth family and carve out your own place in the world. And, uh he has uh, basically sacrificed his life (laughs) to be with his new partner, Ellie. Um, And yeah, I mean, to me, it definitely reads as like a hopeful ending of a dark and twisted love story, which I like quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I'll throw out my views many times on this podcast. It's one of those cases of being an endless ending where whatever you want to imagine happened next to them, you can They're on the they're on a journey to somewhere, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, they're on a journey to somewhere, which is better than being on a journey to nowhere, as some endings to films can be. And and that's not criticism of those endings, but rather, in this case, like that's why I believe that it's more hopeful than um, negative.
2: Agreed. Thank you, Gogo, for sending in your Discord questions. And now, thank you very much now let's get to talking points let's discuss mm-hmm. this movie um
1: right let's get let's get let's get the, the stupid out of the way first let's get veronica's bullshit out of the way <laughs> oh fucking hell right okay let me ask you a genuine question here doc and I'm i'm gonna ask this in good faith what purpose does veronica serve in the film
2: virginia you mean
1: <laughs> sorry okay. v- veronica virginia that's how that's how little i care yeah. let's just take as yeah. aside. side of that i mean what, what purpose does virginia serve in the film beyond uh, the one obvious thing which is to get locked motivated with uh-huh. oh, sorry lack motivated which that's not great no. if that's all the reason that she exists for is no. to motivate him to go and like force them to move it, anything else could have happened to make that move you know
2: i don't know i mean yeah it's pretty thin uh i i don't have a great answer you know the the cg cat scene. Excuse me, wouldn't have existed without her. Uh, so that's like God saying bless. the room would have
1: existed without Tommy. <laughs> why so? Like you know, exactly. we have a good laugh at it, but it but it was made with sincerity, and therefore it is a failure.
2: <laughs> no, that's why it's good. Is because they're not like uh, laughing uh, and like this is ironic, they're like this is the best, and that's what makes it great. Um. No, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say, well, they want to show that you know, vampirism is still passed on, and it's not just a trait of uh, sexual deviance, or I don't even know, fucking, I don't know. That's that is not a, a reason. Uh, that's just something I came up with right off the top of the dome. I mean, there's to it's it really is a a a, a um. Uh, yeah, I'll just say it's a pointless uh, B plot. I mean, it, it's it's not to say that it doesn't serve a function cuz it, it like you said it does, it motivates dude bro. But there's like a million and one different ways you could have done that more efficiently. Um yeah. maybe they wanted to I, use I, they gonna... rented some kind of machine for the fire effects and they just had to use it.
1: What? <laughs> I am gonna say I think it's because they might have gotten a little nervous about there not being enough horror, quote unquote, in the film, as in a scene in which something horrific happens in a very visual way. A person being set on fire, for example. Um but a lot of it just comes across as very confusing and meandering, like mm-hmm. it was almost added in later. Like, okay. Virginia doesn't go to the hospital when bitten for some reason. Just tries to sleep off a neck bite rather than getting it seen to, but then ends up in hospital anyway. Why? For the stamp collection. What? what? Oh no! <laughs> oh yeah. As funny as funny as that is, I shouldn't be laughing in this film. This is uh... meant to be a serious, you know, meditation on like you know the 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 pain of of being known and of being mm-hmm. of knowing others, and yet. Well, maybe that is the pain of knowing others, that the exactly. person you've been seeing all this time is into fucking stamps.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh no. But yeah, I. I think also it's back to my point on the on the you know, vampire you know as as predator stuff. Like the fact that like this will get into my talking point a bit about the use of vampire lore and picking and choosing from it. But the fact that they like otherwise were so considered in what they chose to use from vampire lore, including the that gives the film its name about, you know, allowing them to come over the threshold, letting them in. But then including this bit where if you bite someone but don't kill them, um, they, um, you know, become a vampire. That, I think, if you were to subscribe to that unfortunate negative interpretation I brought before, would be made worse by the presence of the fact that she does become a vampire by being bit by Ellie but by surviving. Whereas if you jettison that entirely, then that's less likely. Because then you're talking about not just the predatory element, but the you're playing into tropes of like you know queer people being diseased, which is bullshit, of course.
2: I think you've been so, brain poisoned. <laughs> I think you. I've not you been see, brain poisoned you, well, I, by that. I, I guess I supposedly that's maybe not you're just you're jumping at shadows. <laughs> like uh,
1: I, I, I know, I know, I am, I know I am, but I'm just trying to think from the mindset of someone who, and this is the thing, like maybe we shouldn't see ground to idiots. You know, we shouldn't try and like think from their perspective, like, and give any any credence, I mean, there's a but. there's an
2: entire YouTube video by someone called the Movie Evangelist that talks about how this oh, movie, fuck me, how this movie is like all about like you know getting deceived by the devil, basically, and Ellie's the perfect manipulator. I mean, just a load of horseshit. Um, so yeah, there's gonna be a lot of people you can't there there's no accounting for for idiots who see your art <laughs> you know no that's um, true that's but there's true. also that uh, doesn't mean say, that doesn't mean that you can't try to do better as you proceed in your career as an artist and have these things pointed out to you yeah. and you don't want you know these uh readings and interpretations and things you might not have even known were there like in your in your art yeah. I so
1: yeah and again for for listeners at home school bus church psychiatric office wherever you might be I don't subscribe to any of this. I'm just heading things off of the past because I feel like, you know... Well, I mean, I don't need to fear it. You've literally told me that there's people out there who think like that and give me an example. Fucking hell. Let me make a quick suggestion, though. It would have actually made sense to have kept um, Virginia being turned into a vampire in the film if the film had ended a tiny bit differently and Oscar had become a vampire. Because imagine that. Imagine if, through choice he said to Ellie, make me a vampire. And they did. Then you've got, like, themes of, like, adolescence and, like, the Peter Pan, you know, Neverland kind of thing of never growing up. And what that does, like, where in the... You could even then see it, like, as perhaps a little bit of a tragedy, like, that maybe the mutability of relationships and the, uh, and the fact that we do belong in a place right now, but that changes over time. You know, that could be something to be explored. So that would be one way you could use the Virginia subplot to an advantage. There, I don't think that would have made the movie better, but I'm saying that like it's not entirely without purpose if you were to use it in such a way. But as presented at the moment, it's just, it's just hilarious. Yeah. I mean, it's a mess. Stamp shit.
2: It is very. It's, it's a mess. I saw. Um, I saw a stamp. I saw a stamp collection. <laughs> I wanted to die. <laughs> have you ever seen a stamp so bad? It made you want to kill yourself by the sun. Oh. Uh, no, I mean, I, <laughs> I couldn't. So, I, uh... I, I want to say that, like, I I think the movie would have been actively worse if Oscar had become a vampire. Because mm-hmm. I think, like, to, to me, um, Hakan and Ellie both sort of represent what being stuck or stunted one emotionally, one physically. Uh, that, yes, you know, they represent right, it's like a right. bad thing. And I think the reason Ellie wants Oscar to fight back against the bullies, right, is so part of this, like, helping him uh, realize his potential and kind of become a better version of himself, like, moving forward, right? And so I don't think... That they would want to take away his ability to to do that, so that that's where I stand on that.
1: This is a different discussion, but I would then say, in that case, the, why is the ending constructed to have Ellie kill all the bullies? Where Ellie does it for him, but
2: I'm well, they were going to they were going to murder that's... him. <laughs>
1: Well, yes, yes, and, she, and I, it's yes. Too, uh, I'm, I'm still it's I'm still talking about the film's structure. Uh-huh.
2: What's it's ch- so so that Chekhov's threat could be used, right? Because you yeah. know he was like, well, what if what if they hit me back? And she's like, hit him again. And he's like, what if they gang up on me? And she's uh, sorry, they're they're like, uh, then I'll I'll be there to help you. And what if, what then if just swam away? <laughs> then she then they're there to help him.
1: what if oscar literally just swam away (laughs) right i'm just gonna hang out in the middle of the pool and and then just wait for the teachers to come back (laughs) uh anyway anyway no i i agree with you um i think but i think it's just one of those things where you can reflect on like what this could have been used to do instead rather than just doing nothing really Uh it's a shame um because I feel like it's one of those things where they felt like they had to fluff up the horror element in in a very obvious way,
2: which, to be clear for me, I don't necessarily mind that. Um, you know, I don't I don't mind a little a little fluff on the films here and there, uh, especially to the beef up horror elements. Like that's not uh, that's not like a cardinal sin for me. Um, but yeah. but this the, this subpl- it really did, it felt yeah. like, uh, how do I say it? Like, it did not feel attached to anything. It felt like a Jenga piece that you could just easily pull out of the tower and nothing happens.
1: Another thought that just scares me. What if you developed, as a parallel relationship, um, Virginia and, um, L- L- lack sorry <laughs> uh-huh. i'm so bad with these names what if you developed their relationship or gave them more screen time and had them serve as a dark mirror to oscar and ellie's relationship where oscar is the accept is accepting but lack is not and that's what then leads into those events where virginia dies because then you get less not through oscar and Ellie. Relation. that's bad I know, I yeah. Again, none of these are clean wins, but I just feel like you could have done something with this yeah. rather than it's in here. So she gets self-immolated, right. and two doctors have to like look convincingly scared of see a fire that they can't actually see because it's all CG. Maybe this is like one ah, of the problems.
2: <laughs> maybe this is one of the problems with having uh, an author write their own screenplay. You know, hmm. maybe they just don't it, see certain things as superfluous that actually are
1: it's not a major criticism to be fair mm-hmm. uh i i don't think it I, I still think this movie's really good uh but i couldn't help but note it because i wanted to just have a good chuckler's expense and then move on
2: <laughs> oh my gosh so funny um so one of the things i'll say uh i'll just say this is a talking point um shouts to the lead actors uh yes cuz man what a what a job uh, uh butchering names here kyre uh Hedebrant plays oscar who was selected from a 4000 child open audition um mm. just it, really really winning the lottery there I mean, uh, and did, did a lovely job, uh, in my opinion, portraying an innocent 12 year old boy that felt not like a fucking Hollywood written quippy character or, or any, you know, just felt very, again, very natural, very much his age. And, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all that the author Lengfist was, was bullied in school um this definitely felt and this was his first novel he, ah, yeah. so it felt like that he's exercising those demons literally uh no that like uh, oh. and and so i thought yeah just the performance was really good there like and and he he felt like innocent but also like you there were like darker tinges to his character that you could see from time to time like when he wouldn't just straight up invite Ellie in, or you know, when he's he's got his little murder scrapbook, or he's uh, stabbing uh, trees, and just a little There's little bits here and there. Like, sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, he's got simmering the bit anger. Where he's <laughs> where he's playing with them over, you know, them being a vampire and like coming in and not saying anything. That that stuck out to me. Like, I don't think that was him being. Like at this point, he's accepted that Ellie's a vampire, so it wasn't what it didn't come across as like a fun jokey thing. Like it felt like he was getting a little, you know, power play going on there. Like you know, exercising some authority. Yeah. Little, little
2: cruelty. Bit. I mean, it's, and, and yeah. children are cruel. Like he didn't. He was doing something. A playing a cruel joke and he did not understand the consequences <laughs> and like that's yep, part absolutely. part of like learning and growing up right again in a way that he felt like an action as someone who has one child that is going to turn 12 soon and another who is just finished being 12 felt That part felt very real. (laughs) That part felt very real. And then uh, the actress that played uh, Ellie, uh, Lena Lee Anderson, uh, was actually like, got the part via like, uh, I think it was like an online casting service. And she had to audition three times uh, before she was given the thumbs up. Uh and it's actually not her voice that's in this, this the original version. Oh, you're telling like me. <laughs> <laughs> not, but even in the original version of the film, like uh, her voice was like too too high pitched, you know, said um the director too uh, yeah. sweet, and they wanted to give the character a little bit of a deeper voice. So um Aleph uh Kalen was chosen um and dubbed dubbed over. Uh, and, you know, this could be a case of just me not knowing the original language, but it's not a thing that I even knew before I read the Wikipedia entry. Um, yeah. But, no, great job with the voice acting by Kaylin. Uh Great job with the physical acting by Lee Anderson. And yeah. And the effects team. Um, lots of subtle effects going on with her face. Uh, and, man... Um, just a just a great a great. I mean, I don't know if it's like the correct terminology to call this an indie film, but it felt like uh really breakout kind of indie performances by by these two. Like really, yeah. I mean, they just anchor the movie. Like it's part of the reason why I don't really, even though the American version of the movie and remake, I think the director, from what I've read, like really gets what the movie's about. Um. And understands it on a deep level. But to me, these two actors are just these characters, and I don't want to see anybody else play them.
1: Yeah. Funnily enough, I think that director was Matt Reeves, who uh, made the recent Batman film. So that's the second time I get to reference Batman in this podcast. No, 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 no. Batman. That is
2: correct. How is Matt Reeves Batman?
1: I never watched mm, it
2: Okay. Okay. Weird that there's just another Batman timeline happening that's not like it's not like a hard reboot is the nolan timeline still active
1: the nolan timeline was never part of the dc oh, cinematic shit. universe you're it right own, yeah you're
2: right that the, the the fucking big connected loreverse didn't exist then okay never mind forget it no you can
1: it doesn't really exist now to be fair given how sloppily it was put together but that's a different discussion. Mm. Um. Yeah, anyway, anyway. Um no, I I agree with you. Like, um for all that I again I'm not criticizing the film for the dub. The dub's a, a creation of different people who <laughs> I think were on fucking strength. Dub's the real march. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm not laying that one in anymore if I can help it. Um but even then, like the obviously the physical acting was still the same person. And um, yeah, they did a fantastic job. Um both the kids came across as as very fragile, like that, like it felt like that from their acting that they were at a pivotal point in both their lives, one more more so than the other, but still, like that. Just, yeah, they can mm-hmm. fall apart even time. And yeah. the
2: bullies too, Did really well. Like, the, the, sometimes child bullies can be like bullies, but still little lovable goblins at, at the end of the day, where you're like, ah, they're all right. They just need to, to be set straight. These boys are assholes, and I hate them. <laughs> I have no sympathy for yeah. them, like whatsoever. And uh, especially not, the big not brother. Quite American. He's yeah. a fuckstick who deserves to die.
0: <laughs>
2: so
1: yeah, I mean, he, he, yeah, he, he fucking deserved to get his, uh, <laughs> to get decapitated. And uh, this is a, like thing. Whenever I see bullies like that, I just think back to my own experiences as a kid. and I'm like, you know what? I won't kill anyone myself, but I won't I won't grieve for them. <laughs> let's put it that way. <sighs> Alright. I'll move on to my next talking point. So let's talk about vampire lore for a moment.
2: Oh goody. My favorite now, thing.
1: Don't worry. <laughs> this is only gonna be relatively I brief. I
2: actually, I I'm not opposed to it.
1: No, nor am I, but uh to explain. I actually... I'm going to confess something that I may have mentioned on the pod before, way back when, but this still abides in my memory. I have actually read Twilight. Mm. Okay, I've not. I've read half of Twilight. Okay. i read half and I gave up. But this was many, 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 many years ago. Now, over time, I've come to reflect on that series and its use of vampires in it. Because criticizing a work for having a vampire in it where the vampires have different rules than what you expect is not a valid criticism in of itself what you need to criticize or praise rather as i will in the moment is the application because for all the times that we've seen vampires in mass media that like you know die from garlic silver sunlight what have you um there are many times where we've seen other elements of, like, commonly accepted as vampire lore, quote-unquote. Like, this kind of pop culture understanding of them, where they've not been applied, such as the let them in threshold thing. So, I... This is why I brought before about the idea of, like, okay, Ellie puts their hand underwater. Water, in common vampire lore, is supposed to, like, burn them like acid. Doesn't
2: in this case only holy water, things, right? I thought it was only water blessed by a priest.
1: I've seen in some stuff just that straight just up water, water. They're water. They're
2: just aquaphobes. But,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I was going to say, like, I mean that that swimming pool, like that. The only thing that's guys is chlorine. So uh, I don't think that's got the uh, blessing nope. of the of the Catholic Church on nope. it. I don't know. That pool, the B pool is, is uh,
2: a totally secular pool, un unsaved. <laughs> non-blessed fool
1: <laughs> yep so i i whether i'm whether that was like something they deliberately thought of or not or if it was intended to just be a, a thing that they didn't care about like this is something i'm going to praise the film for it took the idea of vampires not being able to cross thresholds and took it to the next level mm-hmm. and used it to explore an element of the human condition right that, to me, is when you're actually really exercising your craft and doing a great job as a writer, where you see an attribute of a monster um, in the pop culture sense, like, <clears throat> say, with Frankenstein, like, you know, you could use the... Like, Frankenstein's a monster like, to put an idea in the, the, in the world. What if you made a story about Frankenstein, which was I am all of these different pieces of people and I have different memories from them through idetic memory, genetic memory, whatever, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know... <laughs> Who am I really? That kind of thing. That's when you—that's when you're using the monster to go further. You're not simply seeing it as a set of rules to play like out in set pieces. You're using it as a theme, and so that alone, I think, earns this film a lot of marks. Me now again, if you've got a film where someone's a vampire, like say Blade, for example, and it's just Blade killing the fuck out of people as yeah, a vampire, to, and killing going to
2: sweet techno just, music. Uh,
1: yeah, then I'm okay with that what i care about is your application and your intent and this ties back to the other stuff i said before where i felt some of the application intent was a tiny bit flaky on the less important elements of the film but on the main one this is where i think it works now i did say before that you could in theory replace the the vampire element with the with another monster like a werewolf for example but Insofar as very specifically being about crossing thresholds and letting people into your life, were very well utilized. So I applaud the film for going from simple concept like that and taking it to the next level.
2: Did you know in the book And In the book? Uh Oscar refers to his dad as a werewolf. As in like the change that comes over him when he's drinking.
1: Ah uh, so, so per- perhaps okay. there is
2: an abuse element happening there uh as well when he's under the influence in the movie it is uh not explored at all so
1: yeah ah that makes sense so yeah i mean it's just another good example of like when it comes to vampire lore or monster lore in general pick and choose what you need for your story don't feel like you have to include everything like oh this vampire's weak cigar like i made the italian food show before (laughs) doesn't it's not relevant no one cares um so, clues what you need. That's, that's what matters. Like, application intent and craft is what's important. And this is a great example of it, where they took that concept to the next level.
2: Totally. Um, you, Using the whole buffalo, as it were.
1: Um, No, not even using the whole buffalo. Using very specific prime cuts of the buffalo and preparing them accordingly.
2: Mm, mm, right. Go, yeah, I, okay. Fair enough. Yes. Um, I like to to give the wrong analogies. It's my favorite thing. Bad scenes. Cuz it's a bad podcast, folks.
1: It's fine. It, um, yeah, we we've already provided the disclaimer. We're mm-hmm, fine.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, another kind of uh exploration of monster the, the idea of monsters in the movie that I enjoyed and I've already touched on it is um like h- how uh Ellie as as a classic monster, a vampire, right? Uh, so a, a, a being that when you throw them in a the story, there's all kinds of not just rules that you were talking about from the the lore, uh, but like there's expectations for what a vampire is meant to do and how they're disruptive to society, and uh, you know they kill people. Uh, mm-hmm. That's uh, that's a rough one for them. They gotta they gotta kill people. And in this movie, you know, we are presented with Ellie as uh, a being who, uh, again, is not taking pleasure. You know, her vampirism is just a, her, a, a, a part of her identity that, sorry, a part of their identity. I'm going to do it too. because <laughs> I was just talking about the actress and I'm thinking of Lena. Uh, but, the character Ellie, uh, they, them, um, their vampirism is a part of their identity that like, they aren't necessarily proud of. Uh, they Mm. feel some shame around it, um, about what, what they have to do and who they are. And there's a, a point in the film, again, that I referenced earlier in which Ellie says, uh, hey, um, you think about killing. You're interested in that. But if you did that, it would be because you wanted to. You would choose to do it. Um, I do what I do to survive. It's, you know, if I did not, I would die. And I think <clears throat> this is uh, a lever that allows us to to use it and then see and contrast uh sort of what we expected would be the monster in this movie with monstrous acts committed by other human beings in the movie yes yes like, and who the real monster is so to speak um and the vampire is so different and the the disruption that they cause is unique and and scary because it's different and uh very fatal violent and uh and yeah fatal but there's all this other kind of everyday suffering lots of pain caused to other human beings that uh by everyone else in the movie is just kind of ignored or or at least not, not a lot of effort is made to to stop it. Um, because it's more everyday because we're used to it. Because it's just a, th- a thing that we've grown numb to. And it is monstrous behavior. You know, the bullies, right? Um, all little terrible monsters. Um, the, adult, the adults in Oscar's it? life. Oh, yeah, sure.
1: Can I, g- very quickly... There, I think there's a very specific reason in terms of the narrative that Oscar is mocked as a pig, because a pig is something you fasten up for slaughter,
2: hmm. mm-hmm.
1: and yet it is the bullies who are labeling him as that, and it's the actual vampire, the thing that you know, the, the person that slaughters people that doesn't label as that. So mm. you can see there like how that label is being used very deliberately to make the bullies out as monsters who are trying to in a sense fat and oscar up for the slaughter of like you know making his life miserable
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah for sure that that that's very helpful for you to add thank you um and the the parents you know the mom doesn't doesn't really have a lot of presence in his life there's a couple scenes you know one where they're laughing like you said with the teeth brushing um another scene where she sl- she slaps him <laughs> and uh but but doesn't really seem to be uh again very physically present or invested in what's going on with her son um and the dad you know there's a lot of implication about him being a neglectful father and things he may have done or not done while while drunk to his family
1: he's been spending a lot of time with his other son (laughs)
2: smirnoff exactly exactly the uh Bottle boy, um and uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I just think that the movie you know it's it's not a revolutionary thing that this movie's doing, a lot of horror films do it, no, uh, but no. like, but I think it's still poignant and effective at doing it, it's showing us like, man, like, I was expecting this monster, but like the the real cruelty and and suffering and and like. Is happening uh, is is human on human uh, crime, as it were, right? Is is being caused yeah. by people?
1: I, yeah, I would go a step further and say that it's not just human on human, but it's also self inflicted in a sense. Mm. Because even before we meet the bullies, this is a part of the cinematography which we haven't really talked about. When the very first classroom scene, all of the other characters, like all the other students and the teacher, while uh, they are delivering the lecture about this murder that's been going mm-hmm. on, are uh, out of focus, mm-hmm. blurry. Yeah. Only Oscar, who we see at the back, in pro- is in profile, is in, is in focus, and so we can see them properly. So that already is your hint of them being isolated. And that's before any of the bullies even come into this whatsoever. Yeah. Oscar already separates them, and I think this would be true even if they were never not in the story at all, is an outsider, Mm-hmm. and that's just a state of being that seems to be present on them without I mean uh, there's probably like a lot of reasons and contextualization you could probably give that's not really relevant so that like you really want to go into it but I think a lot of people even ex- outside of like you know if they've ever been bullied or like you know threatened or with violence whether emotional, physical or mental like there are a lot of people out there who just feel like they don't belong they are you know the round pegs in square mm-hmm. holes or to get into a very quick talking point here they are the coloured squares on the Rubik's Cube that don't belong on that side
2: Ha-ha.
1: Ha, that's, that's why that's in there because that's for all that Ellie can solve all that Ellie can solve the Rubik's Cube and make all the squares line up they can't find a place where they can truly settle themselves but that then begs the question is having, you know, a Rubik's Cube is a puzzle, but is life a puzzle to be solved where you find, like, all the people of the same color in the sense of, like, red, green, blue, white, or whatever, you know, like, if you want to use that as a metaphor. You find
2: a, a place you to know? belong. You find your side yeah. of the square.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't need to be in a uniform pattern on the, on the on right. sort of thing, you know, yes. as long as, like, you're happy there. Yes. That's what the Rubik's Cube yeah. is meant to the, represent. The
2: commonality could, could be anything could be very different than yes than you all being it could could be orange for example
1: yeah it could be oh my god we're all trapped on this rubik's cube and (laughs) subjects the whims of an angry god constantly trying to match us up no (laughs) oh man uh yeah so there's a lot of really good stuff about that as you say like is there is the monster of like you know the bullying and all that but the, the, i think the real terror of this film overall for which all of this meshes into is the terror of the transience of relationships of like belonging um i mean ellie like you know st- i would be willing to bet and this is just part of the speculation about the film like that they didn't always live in this particular part of sweden maybe not even sweden at all right uh at least as the film presents i know the book goes into more detail on this But they've clearly moved around a lot, found, like, you know, formed relationships temporarily and then had to move on again. And while the circumstances of the movie on this time are due to external things because of lax involvement, that was always going to happen inevitably anyway. That's the horror, quote unquote, of living, whether you're a vampire or not, that your friendships, your relationships, where you belong, you're just trying to grasp them in the moment to find some sense of like stability, to let things settle and then enjoy it as long as you can. And I think that's why the ending, as I say, is hopeful because Oscar and Ellie are in transit and they have realized that it's not about necessarily settling in a place, but settling with a person and being with them as much as you can, wherever you may find yourself. Mm-hmm. So it all meshes together super well. Yeah,
2: yeah absolutely. Um, one thing I wanted to go back and just reemphasize because I think I didn't quite hit it as hard as I wanted to is that uh, one thing that kind of all the human cruelty has in common when it's uh, and that, that makes it different from Oscar being an outsider and different from uh, Ellie being a vampire is all these other things are, you know, our choices that human beings Mm -hmm. make every day and that we all make every day. Um, And there's a lot of people in the movie that make the choice not to, uh, not to see what's happening. Right. Like a, and I think the director was very intentional about this, wanted to make the adults be physically around what was happening, be close by in a, uh, you know, geographical sense in close in proximity but you know reading a book when oscar's weightlifting or in another room doing something while oscar's in his room or um with other kids while oscar's being bullied on the ice like just not trying to really make an effort (laughs) there not listening hard enough or or asking one more time if everything is okay, I think is the the quote that uh, the director said, right? Like, uh, yeah. And all of that is again, like this is all things that could be different that, that doesn't have to be We could change and, uh, make other people's lives better, but we just choose not to. And, uh, mm-hmm. that again, feels pretty monstrous. Um, when you think about it um yeah absolutely so uh um okay another talking point um yeah so i think what? how do you feel about the movie's portrayal of innocence because i think we do when we have you know oscar the innocent right at the beginning of the movie doesn't feel like he has a lot of agency Mm, feels pretty passive Um, what's that
1: I was going to say, I I think that the movie is very much about the fact that no one is innocent. Um, because oh, I don't, Oscar, I guess, suppose like, I don't mean
2: in in a I didn't do anything wrong sense, but in a, uh, you know, the William Blake dichotomy of innocence versus experience, right? Like being a child. No, I I versus I, yeah. Oh right, versus right. Being right. an adult, right? Like uh, yeah,
1: because I was going to say like Oscar already feels like that you know he's looking at like all this stuff about you know these crimes and all that like he's already a bit of an outsider um so i wouldn't describe Again, him necessarily it feels as... like
2: a child's fascination to me
1: true you know? true um gosh i think from my perspective I think that it's maybe trying to posit the fact that, like, this kind of, like, young innocence, like, it, it's, like, being unsullied almost. Mm-hmm. Like, Oscar approaches Ellie in a way that I suspect a lot of people over their life, um, long as it is, never, well, haven't done. Um, and I think it speaks to maybe, like, the fact that we, as like, as we grow older, we harden, mm-hmm. our hearts harden a little bit, perhaps... Well, because Oscar's at that, that age um, he ha- doesn't have the same preconceptions and notions that we as adults would um, i not saying it's impossible for people to care when they're older, of course far from it, but I think that I think that because he's very, like, you could have very done this story, like, say about an adult meeting Ellie of the same age not that they would have gone for Manson but, but rather my point being that, like, you could have had it for me from the adult perspective here, but I think that the choice of it being uh, Oscar as a child, like, who meets Ellie at this particular point in both their lives uh, and bonds them in such a way I think speaks to um, the fact that, like, you know, we should try and connect with people while we can before we lose the ability to do so because no one else is out there to help Ellie. The The other thing I'll mention as well is, like, If you think about it, going back to the anime, you know, 500-year-old person joke here. (laughs) As much as I hate it, (laughs) Ellie in theory theory is like, you know, okay, they are 12, but that's their body, and they're actually, like, older. But in this film, they present as a child and act like a child still, even though you'd think logically they would be, like, you know, well, I have seen many things. Ex- yes. Like it's like the interview of a vampire. Uh-huh. And I think that's a very I think that's a very deliberate choice yeah. that given given the ability to go back between like a child's ability to really reach out and like, you know, just bond with people without preconceptions versus the hard like the hardness of like adult adulthood, like in terms of like how much open your heart is to it. The fact that Ellie makes that choice to still like act that age, or like act in that way emotionally despite all that's happened, I think is something to keep in mind.
2: It feels like there's, like, a real materialist kind of metaphysics to vampirism in this movie. Like, Ellie... In the book, we know Ellie didn't go through puberty. And I guess even if you don't include the book content, they they wouldn't necessarily have either at, at age 12. And, like... It's almost like also it d- despite being immortal their brain is also still the brain of a 12-year-old and not the interview with the vampire thing of like I look 12 on the outside but like I could talk to you about the French Revolution or some bullshit you know what I mean I'm I'm this like jaded old person on the inside um so that's really kind of interesting um what would it be like to to true, well, and truly, be twelve forever. <laughs>
1: that just the the, the Neverland yeah. thing.
2: Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, so that all really good observations you make. Um, uh, thinking about Oscar as innocent, like for me, he really felt like this character who was just kind of becoming aware that he's like a social being. Um and even, you know, his sexuality is starting maybe to bloom a little bit, right? He has, you know, feelings for Ellie. Um and I I really I like that because it's like such a fragile time in a human being's life because yes. you start to sort of try to invent yourself. And as you try to do it, you really fuck up a lot in your own mind. And you're like ashamed of what you were. You're ashamed of what you are trying on these new different kind of identity clothes. Um, And then in Ellie's case, like, you know, they still like that scene when she kills uh jock and has just finished feeding. And then it's like, She's sitting there, you know, straddling the corpse. And then she like puts her head in her hands and like kind of holds herself. And it's like, that just tells you all you need to know about how they feel about, I'm sorry. They hold themselves. God damn it. This habit. Um, this, that tells you all you need to know about how they feel about themselves. Right. And, and how they feel about that part of their, their identity. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's this really, like, ultimately in the grand scheme of things, fleeting. But, like, when you're living it, it feels so intense and so difficult. And you feel yeah. very alienated. And I think they just capture all that really, really well. And...
1: Yeah. Can I can I put out one very quick thing, by the <laughs> way? And it's just it's just occurred to me only now, but I think this actually gels with the point I'm going to make, which is the teacher says to Oscar... Like, you know, when he when he's asking about going weightlift, like, yeah, you can do it. You can totally do it if you put your if you try. And what I'm getting at is like hearing that from someone, it feels like that should be a normalized response, like to people. Like you can try to be someone. You can try to be what you want to be, and just to encourage people. And I feel like, you know that's the only encouragement he gets from a regular person aside from i know and the fact that that like went over my head initially but now that i think about it like it feels like quite a important moment just because it should be the norm Mm -hmm. like the bullies i'm not saying like that they need to be constantly cheerleading gravy, but people should just be like you know hey that thing you're doing good luck you know you got this Mm -hmm. give it a Mm -hmm. crack we should be trying to lift each other up not yeah. push each other down. The fact that, like, the only person the Park Millie is doing that is a teacher who's, like, half in the film and half not. Yeah, he's,
2: yeah it's kind of sad. And when he's in the film, not necessarily, again, being the most attentive all the time, but at least he's present enough. Oh, he to... told
1: us about the hole, though. <laughs> There's a hole. Don't forget the hole. Hole over there. Hole this way. Hole. Don't fall <laughs> in the hole. Oh, no, someone fell in the hole. Yep. Uh...
2: He's always being distracted <laughs> by other messes that he leaves oscar in the lurch um yep no but it just i i think do you remember the egg the egg the the silver egg
0: oh uh, sorry yes yes apartment
2: that is what we're like at that age like just barely feather light you touch it and it shatters into a bunch of pieces but if I might what's go in the middle is like, like a golden core that is harder and yep. more beautiful than what was on the outside, right? But but we gotta yep. grow into that.
1: That that egg is also a puzzle in its it own is. right, because it's constructed mm-hmm. like one. And so having assembled the Rubik's Cube to solve it so all the colours are on the same side and in some semblance of order, in the closing parts of the film when Ellie's like, you know, more happy to be with Oscar. Uh, they shatter the puzzle. So while we don't get the scene that you might expect of the Rubik's cube, like being left unsolved and like full focus in the camera, <laughs> like at, at the end of the film, the Rubik's it's <laughs> it, it 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 is a bookend to mm-hmm. it. It is a bookend to that point being made earlier, where Ellie assembles something into a, into an ordered state, and then a similar kind of puzzle is unordered because they are in a different position now, where they're happy to allow this more chaotic mm. elements in uh, life of oscar's presence mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. yes that's an excellent observation what do what's your next point
1: let's talk about language okay. so language um i should be clear here like there are like you know i speak english i speak french so on and so forth and then there are the words inside the languages where languages you know can gain new words or have words you know change their meaning or unfortunately as we've discussed be co-opted into stuff that's not relevant a really astute observation the film makes here and this could in theory just be me reading too much into this because never oscar and ellie both learn morse code now i think that's a fascinating choice not because okay yes on a utility level, it's so they can communicate from beside the wall. Again, we're talking boundaries here. But I think it really speaks also to the fact that, like, for them, as people who are outsiders, like, pe- like minority groups in general, I think, do have their own language or mm. invent their own language, communicate concepts or ideas with each other that the mainstream won't allow them to. Now, Morse code, of course, is also the language of like, espionage. So you've got two layers here. You can read it as one as that kind of thing where we're cu- we're, t- we're using our own language because the language that we normally have, whether Swedish or nineties anime dub English, is not you know good enough for us to express our feelings and our thoughts to each other as openly and as honestly as we'd like. Um, but then also, like it paints uh, Ellie and Oscar rightly, I think as people who are under attack that have to operate in the shadows so that one two whammy of using morse code beyond just the utility of them communicating across boundaries which has its own thematic implication of course because boundaries are a big part of this film in terms of its cinematography and construction i think that's a really astute point for the film to make Mm. about the way in which minority people um minority peoples communicate with each other that they don't they either won't necessarily, they, you know, they'll speak English like as we do. Like, you know, LGBTQ plus people in Britain will for the most part speak English because of course they will. But they, what I'm talking about here is more a general idea of how language yeah. evolves to suit the needs of the user mm-hmm. uh, and is u- and is utilized by people when regular communication is not sufficient to express the ideas
2: they want. Yeah, to. there's, you know, codes. Because usually of pers- groups have codes and there's yeah. uh, different language games that different groups will play. Uh, where meanings, you know, develop or are changed. Um, it happens for, like I said, minority groups. It happens for uh, groups of assholes as well. You know, they're the dog whistles. Unfortunately. <laughs> things. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. That, I think that's an instance of that. But uh, but yeah, no, that's yeah. super interesting. I had not considered that at all, but that's a great point.
1: Um, yeah, I, I really like how that was implemented here to get that point across. Uh, even if you just take it as... They're having this like you know they're, they're, they're two people under attack, and so they have to speak in code, so their communications aren't intercepted by the yeah. enemy if you right will. right, even that alone is 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 I think really telling about how the film like gets across how we communicate with each other when we are feeling whether we are persecuted or feel persecuted um but then of course, as I say l g plus groups minority groups they do have language whether different languages entirely like if you for example are multilingual Mm -hmm. um or in terms of like the terminology you use i mean to go back to your point about like words that are co-opted like woke as a word Mm -hmm. um woke was in you know well not invented but it was given its common like a common parlance by black people to express like you know social like awareness of social injustices and unfortunately has since been co-opted by dipshits <laughs> to basically scream i don't want to think ever <laughs> i i i remember i remember actually re a meme on twitter which summed up perfectly like it was it was a play on those like um uh, the ladybird like books for kids like those little drawn ones so like everything i don't like now is woke a book for basic dickheads <laughs> And no. that's a very accurate <laughs> summation of anyone yeah. of anyone who uses woke as a pejorative and not in the original way it was intended to be used, as coined by Black yeah.
2: people. <laughs> uh,
1: I won't. If if, if if I I have had people say like I don't like this woke shit, and every time they say that, I think who the fuck are you?
2: <laughs> what, what? do you know?
1: What... <laughs> Brainless fucking morons. Yeah. Who people who say that as as like I don't like woke shit because I. Will defy anyone to explain what woke actually means. To I them. know it just means, like I said, shit. I don't exactly like. fuck you for you. Fuck you if you use that word in that way. I don't want to associate you because you don't want to see the world for its complexities. You want to see it in fucking monotone and not have to think. Fuck off forever.
2: Yeah. Anyway, random, rant <laughs> <done>. Moving on. <laughs> the most thought-terminating. I always have one. The-, the, the most thought-terminating of cliches. Honestly. Oh yes, yes. Ugh um okay uh let's see what other things so oh um i thought it was a really interesting point that uh so i mentioned persona at the beginning of this i don't know if i said four or not but i specifically am talking about four you did um so you know again if you and again, I don't think the readings are mutually exclusive. To think that uh, Ellie Funk can can function as an allegory for uh, sort of again, we're we're talking about accepting or, or trying on new identities and dealing with these new feelings that are happening to you as you're an adolescent. So some of the darker aspects and feelings that uh, that are bubbling up in Oscar. Um, again, I think you can think that. And also think, hey Ellie a real person that really exists in the text <laughs> and is not simply mm-hmm. uh uh a meant to be read as as totally a metaphor um and you know at the end, Oscar has totally accepted Ellie, like he loves him, he's told him that he's going to be together with them forever. He's, he's helped them, you know, the, the killing, uh, John Locke or whoever <laughs> was, uh, <laughs> was like a kind of a final, the final step, the final initiation, like, okay, I'm, I'm committed. I'm in this, you know, there was the, they didn't get to do the blood bonding, uh, on palms, but, uh, but they, uh, Ellie kissed Oscar, and blood transferred from mouth to mouth, and so that was sort of the uh, maybe a symbol of a more romantic kind of commitment. Um, but but one just as deep as the the blood bond, and um, so all that happens, right? He he accepts them, Ellie, and perhaps also as accepted his own, you know anger or the part of him that's there that wants to get mad or uh it, it, you know is fascinated with death and and things like that the more aggressive parts um but by the end mm-hmm. of the movie he's i don't think uh hasn't uh, in, in in the final in shots both of him in the pool and on the train it doesn't seem to me that he's lost his uh his luster, like his boyishness or his brightness. Like, so I think to, to me, that's pretty cool and significant, like, or, and he hasn't lost the ability to love. Like he, he loves this other person and like, that's cool that he's like, again, I I think definitely loves and accepts Ellie, the human being. But also again, I think on top of that is, uh, uh, a salient metaphor for him, uh accepting himself um whether or not those aspects of himself are socially palatable or something that other people like or or would would approve of like he has settled that and he still is like hasn't kind of lost like the light sort of that was shining from him right and uh i just think yeah.
1: that's good there there isn't there isn't that scene between ellie leaving and him going to the pool where he's very very mopey and not doing the things he started doing yeah he's learned from ellie to be motivated to better himself and just because they have left and for all he knows that's all he will ever see of them they right. might he wasn't expecting them to come to the pool right. and save him you know but for all, like that's happened, and he's still continuing on to like you know with that inspiration. So, you're absolutely right, it's textual in the film, but he's still doing that, he's still being the best or trying to be the you know improve himself in ways that he feel will benefit himself. He hasn't simply given up just because they've left.
2: So good, so good. And Ellie didn't need to come back, you know, it was, could have been easier potentially for their but it survival. was pretty it was pretty satis- it, was <laughs>
1: it was pretty satisfying. yeah oh it was great yeah,
2: ruled great great what a what an ending firecracker of an ending
1: only thing only thing that could have been better would have been that teacher coming back in afterwards and seeing him <laughs> thinking like i'm retiring i've seen way too much shit recently because he of course saw the body in the uh in the yeah. lake you know he yeah. he's had a rough patch that poor guy
2: <laughs> just like drops his clipboard Shakes his head and says, I'm gonna to need to call a counselor. <laughs>
1: yeah. Although he goes in, he's he's extremely shocked at the cipher he goes, Oh no! Mike stereo!
2: Someone <laughs> kicks in the wall! <laughs> yes! He threw
1: my stereo's ruin. Uh, ah, he just pulls out from the from the blood filled pool and he's like, Oh, it'll never work again. Yeah.
2: It's like, I guess we're gonna to have to close the pool.
1: Damn it. <laughs> oh no. Oh, my God. Also, someone spilled strawberry jam in here. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, my
2: God. Uh. Okay. Um. Other thoughts from you?
1: Only if one else, I'll wrap up. This is the oh, last yeah. one I'll just wrap up here, which is just a general praise of the cinematography. Mm-hmm. There's so many great shots of, like, people between boundaries, whether through, you know, window left side, window right side, divider in the middle. A lot of great blocking in that way with... um. With people being shown as very separate from each other, um, some of the earlier shots in the film, um, snow at night is terrifying mm. because you wouldn't expect a vampire to move to a colder climate necessarily. At least as I see it, or no, rather, what I mean to say is like vampires are, not to my knowledge, part of folklore in like the northern like the Nordic territories, you know, Sweden. The and
2: Vikings all that. just drove them um,
1: out. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I think it's more well. Thorkell threw I could a, be
2: fun- a tree. It functioned as a stake.
1: Thorkell punched a horse!
2: <laughs> that was also a If vampire.
1: Thorkell found out... <laughs> if Thorkell found out that vampires existed, he would be delighted. He would.
2: He would enjoy it.
1: He, he would, absolutely. Um. So, yeah, there's a lot of great cinematography in that respect, but also like the like, when it's, like, at night, there's a lot of great shots of, like, Oscar from a distance on his own, in, like, this open communal area, this street, you you name it, where there's no snow falling, but it's very well illuminated because of the light reflecting off the snow, and it's super eerie. I mentioned The Thing before. The Thing has, like, similar sorts of, like, atmosphere behind it when there's some outdoor bits where the snow does a great job of like giving the thing a really like ominous illuminated quality to it. Um, There's lots of, I'm sure specific examples I could cite about the cinematography and how really good it is. But yeah, as a general rule, it all feels very, very deliberate, very measured and very well crafted. So praiseworthy for that alone. This is a film um, that falls in that category that I have said before, where if I were a, film studies professor or teacher i could use this as an example mm-hmm. to teach people with just purely from the what how it looks alone never mind what people are saying or what it's actually about although i would need to include that to get convey meaning but still you get
2: my yeah. point love the shots of the forest you know where are kind of pulled back and you see so many bare trees like in the winter so good and I correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I just imagine this, but I don't think we get a lot of direct eye contact from Oscar for a long time in the movie until the end. And it just, I don't know that there's a way that uh, the, the shots are telling the story all by themselves in some ways of how he's gaining confidence and kind of growing into himself, which I think is, is super cool.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Alright. But otherwise, that's it. Um we it. I'm overall extre- I'm overall extremely positive on the film. It's like you said though, I don't think it's doing anything groundbreaking necessarily, but what it does, it executes extremely well. Um and there's a lot to like about it and a lot to think about as a result of it. Um very easy recommend. Can't comment on the other like remakes, redo's, what have you of it. Um, but if you can find this film <laughs> Definitely give it a watch if you can, if you can make it happen. Good luck.
2: Yeah. I wonder if it's in print um, anywhere. Uh, hopefully so. That'd be, that'd be lovely. Uh, if not again, uh, Bezos Mart has it for, for $5 uh, on the digital and uh, you'd be a fool to not buy it because it costs the same, it costs $5 to rent and also $5 to buy what the fuck anyway um this movie's
1: like i said but streaming makes no sense yeah i I know
2: this it's all going to hell so we've we've ruined streaming streaming is done um yeah no this movie's great my final thought this movie's great i loved it like two bits um i i thought that there was it was a rich movie of of meaning and uh both in terms of like the dialogue and things like that, the action and uh, like you said, the just the artistically, the cinematography, and the the sets and the composition of the the shots, uh, it's all very meticulous, very well done. Um, just an extremely cool movie. Like I said, dark twisted love story with I think a ton of of great positive messages and things to reflect on it's not a movie that you're going to come out of like pumping your fist being like, hell yeah. Uh, but it is one that will put you into a quiet reverie. Uh, and perhaps some of it will be a bit sad. You might think of back on your own more difficult childhood experiences, but I think also, uh, it will be, it will be good because of the lovely place, which the movie takes us. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It was was really good.
1: If you ever, like I said at the very start of the podcast, it's the best retort ever to the phrase "What is a man? He's a miserable little pile of secrets." He doesn't have to be. That's the movie's message. (laughs) Oh Oh boy!
2: Uh, If only if only Richter had seen this movie uh, beforehand. Um, All right, Uh, that wraps us up here. We've done the thing. We've discussed "Let the Right One In." parentheses, 2008, close parentheses. That was awesome. Uh, please, uh, get in touch and let us know what you thought, uh, of our discussion. What do we leave out? What do we get wrong? Are there other movies like this that you'd like to hear us talk about? Uh, or perhaps there are movies like this that you want to save from us talking about them. So like there's this great movie you guys ruined. let the right one in. So I don't want you to talk about blah. Uh, You know, get in touch with the podcast. We're, uh, you, you can find us on, on X at Warui Desho. We're still for the time (laughs) being on X dropping the X. Um,
1: I will be much longer. (laughs) We
2: are on blue sky. Uh, I don't even know how to say the blue sky addresses, but. Just search for us. Just, just look for on Blue Sky. Yeah,
1: search for Shaden or Worry Dash or Blue Sky. I won't be on Twitter much longer because I cannot countenance being on that platform any longer given the fuckwit that's running it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's become too odious just to be on there. It feels like that just being pressed on it opens, exposes me to too much news around it and him and I'm just like <laughs> fuck
2: this. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. I think yeah. my personal account so, will be it is also not long for this world. Um, you know, yeah. I'll probably, we'll probably keep the pod account on there just to, in case that is your network of choice and the way you keep up with our releases. Um, we'll probably keep it on there for, for at least the foreseeable future. But again, we're on blue sky and threads and you could email us. Why are we just show at gmail.com? Um, if you listen to us on Spotify, there's a poll that's a part of every episode that says, or, or it's not even a poll, it's a Q&A. There's a little, little place on your Spotify player where you could click and see the question, what did you think of this episode? And we've had users fill it out before and leave lovely messages and comments multiple times. And I'm really grateful for those. Those rule. You can also on our uh, anchor.fm page, which I think is now just Spotify for podcasters, You could leave us a voicemail um, if you just want to yell at us. Uh, If you do, that'd be hilarious, and I'll put it on the podcast. Just go to our Anchor page and then yell into a microphone at us. Anchor takes care of all the recording and the saving and the hosting. You just have to click the red circle button and yell into a microphone at us, uh, and that's it. So you could do that. You could go to to Kofi. Uh, dot com slash watery show to donate if you felt so inclined and you could become part of the discord. If not, you know, just um, uh, follow us on all the platforms. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Amazon Music now, we're on Google Podcasts. Um, give us a review, rate us. Um, that helps us, that helps us algorithmically. Uh, that helps us in our discoverability. Um or but you know, the the perhaps the best thing you can do and this is totally free is find one person in your life that you think would enjoy this podcast. Maybe you think they maybe maybe you don't think they would enjoy it. But go up to them anyway say, "Hey, listen to the Swattery Desh show podcast. They talked about this cool Swedish horror movie. You like weird stuff? Check it out." And and do that. We would appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Tell 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 your friends and family to let the right podcast in.
2: Exactly. Um Yeah. Um Shadon, uh, do you want to give your your do you, so so I'm like I said, my my ex is probably going away soon. You're on Blue Sky though. You have a personal Blue Sky account.
1: Just just search for Shaden on Blue Sky. You'll find me if you're on there. Um Semi-posting at the moment. Uh, if you happen to also be a Final Fantasy IV scene player, you can find me on the Louis Soir data sensor in the EU. I play a character named Idrian Baloff. Nice. Come and have a chat and get NASA with me about stuff.
2: You're gonna dress up as pirates. It's all
1: good. But, oh, oh Christ. Yep, that's, that's gonna happening. happen. Ugh. That'll be fun. Um, in all seriousness, I will just reiterate what I spoke about before when it came to the gender elements of this particular film, which is, I'm a fucking idiot when this comes to comes to this stuff. I I will try to be honest, and I'll try to be open-minded, and I'll try to be fair, and I'll try to be positive and progressive. But I do make mistakes. I stumble. I fuck up. I get things wrong. I say the wrong words. So for people who are, in, who are better educated than me, more knowledgeable, have the actual lived experience... Help me be a better person. I I I probably shouldn't be outsourcing this work to people. I feel like I should be doing it on my own initiative. Google's no help. Basically, if you've listened to what I've <laughs> if 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 you've listened to what I've said before and you, and you want to offer some advice or words about what I've said to like help me along or like inform me to be better, I would really appreciate it. I legitimately would.
2: Absolutely. For for sure. And that goes for any topic that we cover, to be honest with you. We are we are not uh, double downers. Uh, we enjoy education, instruction, and learning. We're always uh, always learning, and that's a good thing. Um, next time, you will we will be jumping back aboard the good ship Matsumoto. We'll be in the Lazyverse once again to talk about Arcadia of my youth uh the this film uh made in 1982 the year in which uh let the right one in the set let that be the connective tissue if you must have it
1: nice um, that's a that's a segue that's a bridge yeah
2: yeah and uh, i'm going to be reading at least a hefty chunk of uh the helen mccarthy edited collection of lady matsumoto essays um i don't have it in front of me so i don't remember the title but if you search lady matsumoto Helen mccarthy and on you know Barnes and Noble or or other book sites you can find it I don't know if there are many copies left it's a couple it's a couple years old at this point um but I'm going to try to uh increase the the knowledge of Matsumoto here uh and specifically Arcadia of my youth because we we talked about uh Leiji quite a bit and we talked a little bit about Rentaro, but I'll see if I can learn anything and, and to bring to, to shed some more light and give some more context to to him and well, them, both of those guys in, in this movie. But I'm really excited to get back to it because we both had a great time with Galaxy Express. Heck yeah. All right. Uh well, until next time, folks. He is Shadon. I am the subtle doctor. This has been Waterby Desho saying, embrace each other everyone, to the ends of the universe.
1: Good night. Bring
2: back the brothers. Why do horror movies always have the coolest wallpaper? It's awesome. I know. Bye-bye.